say hey hey there we go hello everyone and welcome to another episode of anyways back to the godfather it is that time again we're doing another arthur episode um so quick reminders before we jump into that just remember to watch paddington 2 and submit those reviews also submit your song submissions for our listener submitted playlist how many times can i say submit in a sentence for those prompts you can go look on instagram or you can text one of us um or look in the show notes maybe i'll put them there but yes send those in by june 30th so we can include them in our playlist all right we're gonna go ahead and jump into the meat of the episode which is we're talking about arthur season three since we have so many uh guest hosts we have are doing it a little bit differently we've kind of combined everything and are breaking them down we'll talk about individual top 10 lists as we're going along but we do have our guest hosts annie biz and sarah joining us so we'll just go ahead and each say a quote from season three it doesn't super matter what it is uh just as a cute little introduction and then we'll jump on into it classic he's a sad sad bunny a sad sad bunny he isn't funny when you're a sad sad bunny amazing mom there's a singing moose outside our house <laughs> are you having cake ah that's in this season i feel like I was not even aware. Oh my gosh, what a mistake this for me. This was not in your top 10. That darn evil twin. <laughs> there are only 30 individual episodes in season three. There are three two-parters though, and we've like made those count as one. So we really are talking about almost every episode in season three, except for four. Um, However, there's been a couple that each of us have that don't overlap with anyone else. So we're going to go ahead and break down those, I call them solo episodes first, and just let each person talk about them. So we're going to hand it over to Sarah. She's going to talk about her number nine, number eight, number six, and number four. And then we'll throw it over to Annie, Biz, and myself. Uh, My number nine is Clarissa is Cracked. In the very opening of the episode, uh, Arthur and D.W. are deciding what treasures they'd want to be buried with if they lived in ancient Egypt. And once they decide what their treasures would be, uh, D.W. says, I am now mummy ready. (laughs) And uh, my favorite thing about this, it's kind of a cold open, I guess. But uh, my favorite thing about the opening is... uh, their parents get home from somewhere and the kids are just like lying down sleeping in mummy wrappings <laughs> and David says if we walk out quietly we won't have to ask <laughs> <laughs> um but in this episode grandma Thora loans DW her favorite childhood doll Clarissa and tells her to treat her like the treasure she is um but DW's enthusiasm in loving Clarissa and taking her to do everything with her uh, results in a dirty, messy Clarissa who finally breaks when DW bounces her off of her bed. Um, I loved this episode as a kid. This is one of my favorites as a kid. I loved the flashback to Grandma Thora's childhood. I loved noticing the similarities in the sequences where DW is playing with Clarissa and Grandma Thora is playing with Clarissa and uh yeah I just 
I loved that flashback and it I my grandma was uh well both my grandmas were very into family history and it just I think that's why that episode really resonated with me is because it was like oh look at all these similarities between DW and her grandma and a sweet episode about family connections and taking care of treasures that are passed down which is uh, it's just so sweet I love it I love that I feel um, like I forgot about the flashbacks sequences oh my gosh and like it's her so like brothers yes and so the reason Thora ended up getting Clarissa in the first place is because uh she was always playing with her three brothers hand-me-downs and I can't remember if it's in this episode or if it's a different episode where grandma Thora talks about her brothers but DW responds to grandma Thora having three brothers saying I bet three brothers is better than any one Arthur <laughs> <laughs> Thor is tired of playing with her brother's hand-me-downs and potato fairy godmothers. <laughs> oh. So she really wants her own doll, and that's like the root of why Clarissa is so special to Grandma Thora. It all ends up okay because uh, and this is a great episode for Arthur being a good older brother because it's Arthur's idea to take Clarissa to Mr. Ratburn, who works with puppets, to see if he can fix her. He only does it in like he does it in only two hours. <laughs> What a Mr. boss. Rapper. What a hero. <laughs> he is doing the wrong occupation. One of my favorite Mr. Ratburn bits in this episode is DW has taken her to a puppet show at the library that Mr. Rapper is putting on, and it's Rapunzel. Uh, something goes wrong with Mr. Rapburn's puppets, and Rapunzel's head falls off. And all the kids gasp and are kind of afraid. And Mr. Rapburn, like, pokes his head out from behind the curtain and goes, There will now be a brief intermission. <laughs> DW talking to Arthur during intermission says Rapunzel fell out of the castle and broke her neck. This is much more exciting than the version mommy told me. (laughs) (laughs) Is there an imagination sequence where Mr. Rappert is laughing maniacally? Yes! (laughs) I feel like Lauren would love that with her how much she loves unhinged (laughs) Mr. Rappert. Yes. That was one of like the scariest imaginary sequences for me as a kid because I I don't know just it's a saw it's horrifying and he's just laughing so evilly and I'm like oh no poor doll. So I was totally swept up in that with GW. (laughs) GW learns about responsibility and family history and it's a very sweet episode. Number eight mom and dad have a great big fight. Uh, Arthur refuses to play Confuse the Goose with DW. The parents tell DW not to bother Arthur. So she and Nadine are playing Confuse the Goose. And DW hears David and Jane fighting over dinner because David forgot that his friends were coming over for dinner. And so they're trying to hurry and make dinner. So DW doesn't hear what they're fighting about, but she just hears their tone. And it upsets her. So she goes to Arthur and then they both overhear their squabbling parents and they start jumping to the worst possible conclusions about how this could wreck their family. But once Arthur refuses to play with GW, GW uh, starts off the imaginary sequences with Arthur with enormous feet and talking like this, refusing to play with her and her parents saying things like, how could you, Arthur? And Arthur, play with your beautiful, perfect sister. (laughs) What's more important, homework or the happiness of a little girl? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that part. So good. And my favorite bit in that is, stop that, Arthur. What did I do? 
you were looking at DW without smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so DW wishes that her parents were different. And then she thinks it's her fault that they're fighting. She and Arthur launch into this whole series of, like I said, worst possible scenarios for how this argument will destroy their family. One of these imaginary sequences is them at a very, 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 very long dining table. Jane at one end and David at the other. And DW relaying messages between them. So tell your father, Merry Christmas. <laughs> DW runs, 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 runs. Tell your mother and a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> Every conversation will take twice as long. We'll only get half as much done in our lives. <laughs> Uh, when they imagine life without their mom, uh, they get a really great meal. And I feel like this is, I don't know if I'm going to be right about this, but I feel like, Rachel, this is one of your favorite David lines. Dig in. You know what I always say? Dig in. (laughs) It is. Oh my gosh. Such a good line. (laughs) And then they think about what it would be like if neither of their parents want them. He says, we'll be organs. (laughs) you mean orphans like an oliver twist so they imagine being in an orphanage which is just arthur being oliver twist and mr rapper and being fagin and saying oh you want some or (laughs) i'll give you some or (laughs) and like hands him a huge or lisa i want some or (laughs) low-key before oliver and company the only thing i knew about oliver twist that's one of my most quoted Arthur lines. I didn't realize it was in that episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> in my mind, I always tell myself, <laughs> That's one of my most quoted in my head. That's <laughs> so good. If someone says, do you want some more? <laughs> you want some more? <laughs> I also love this, like, the entire orphanage is, like, cracking up at it, too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get it? we have to go we have to avoid going to an orphanage at all costs especially one set in the 1800s (laughs) (laughs) and the imaginary sequence that follows is their house but like fairy tale-ified it's like a cottage now uh and they're doing chores and dinner and then they bite into dinner and it's gross and they're like we don't know how to cook it cuts to Arthur singing a lullaby to Kate, who looks thoroughly unimpressed. <laughs> they say, like, this isn't working. I miss mommy and daddy. Then they decide to go talk to their parents in reality. As they're going downstairs, they hear their dad's thing. I'll go. Uh, then their mom says, no, I should go. I'm the one who should go. I'm going. And that's final. And they're like, dad's leaving. He's not really leaving. He was just going to go to the store to get milk because that was kind of the the climax of their argument was when milk got uh, spilled all over the kitchen floor. So the moral of this episode is, as the parents put it, they say, sometimes adults lose their tempers and argue, just like kids disagree sometimes or get mad at the people they love. It's a very sweet episode resonates with my tendency to jump to the worst possible conclusion when something little happens when I could just ask about it and find out for myself if things are as bad as they seem and also that disagreements within family 
are normal and they don't lead to 1800s orphanages. Oh my gosh, amazing. All right, you're number six. Back of the Turbo Tibbles. So the Tibble twins stumble across a show that the Reeds aren't allowed to watch and they become obsessed with it and just pretend to be the, what is it, the terrific Turbo Trooper Toy T-Bot team. <laughs> they <laughs> pretend to be these like robot superheroes who are always like punching the bad guys and basically solve all their problems with violence. <laughs> and the Tibble twins really take to this and they chase DW and Emily around and they try and get their own heads to detach like the robots which <laughs> oh my gosh like, obvious problems <laughs> head but action now head action now their uh like secret signal is a T like with your hands like time out so when Miss Morgan the preschool teacher says time out to get them to stop what they're doing they're like she knows the signal. Command received. <laughs> but it, they just keep getting more and more into this and are scaring their friends, Emily and DW, by chasing them around. And DW and Emily decide that they want to confront them about it just to tell them that, hey, what you're doing isn't okay. It's bothering us. Please stop. And when they try to do that, the Tipple Twins are still in terrific turbo trooper toy t-bot team mode and i f i think it's tommy is like holds the swing like the wooden swing in his hand and throws it at dw and uh it hits her in the mouth and immediate immediately she starts crying and they don't show it but emily says blood mrs tipple dw's face is bleeding i think it's broken and the Tibbles panic and go hide in the garage. And Timmy still wants to, like, be in fictional mode. But they're really worried about DW. And they're like, nothing in this, like, nobody ever bled in the show. Nobody ever cried in the show. DW ends up having to go to the hospital to get stitches. And this episode always stood out to me as a kid. It's a lot like Arthur's knee for me in that there was a scary injury and it was so scary that I just had to watch it <laughs> and find out what happened. Oh man, it was totally um, a similar experience for me, like that episode. I'm glad you brought it up because like them hiding in the garage was always like so intense. Yes. DW screams are like so yes! scary. Yes, also that was the bit that always scared me the most is because like I said, she immediately starts crying, but it really is more like a scream. But yeah. it's like a like I don't I don't want to try to imitate it because there's no way I can do it, but like it just kinda like It's very guttural. Made my little it's very guttural. Yeah, it made my little heart like Yeah, it's scary. Like bleak and it was so scary. <laughs> also a quote from the episode that my family quotes all the time, which is we have to talk. <laughs> like, just the seriousness of it. And I think it gets repeated in their, like, imagination world, yes. too. But <laughs> is this the episode that they're watching the feet episode yes! of Mary Moo Cow? That's what I have written down next. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything. But this is the episode where Mary Moo Cow sings about feet. Feet, 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 feet. <laughs> it's so good. There's also, like... The Arthur meme too, where they're like 
so excited to watch it and then it just shows mary boo cow with these like crazy yes. arms and it just, in parentheses it says starts rapping about feet, starts rapping about feet. <laughs> <laughs> so good and another one another fun little thing that once again has nothing to do with anything is the tibbles are like changing the channel when cw leaves the room and uh, one of the shows that comes up they're like pumpkins and pants that's for babies and i was oh like my gosh. rachel would love this show i would <laughs> popular girls is my number four this is one of my all-time favorite arthur episodes i have been wondering if maybe it should have been higher on my list but we're just gonna go with number four for now <laughs> uh so during spring vacation the kids go to the community center for day camp and in the morning when uh francine is leaving for camp uh she accidentally takes Catherine's backpack and Catherine accidentally takes hers and the kids become enthralled by a teen magazine and in particular a quiz that's how likable are you they talk about how oh it must be really scientific and stuff and then the questions are like if you were a sandwich your friends would be potato chips diet soda the plate or hungry (laughs) and the only ones who really take it to heart are Fern who the quiz uh tells her that she's too quiet and nobody can like her because nobody knows she's there. And Sue Ellen, who the quiz tells her, you are too good to be true, uh, tone it down and peop- you, you frighten everyone with your excellence. <laughs> um, so Sue Ellen objects to this and says, well, but we have friends. Like, why do they like us if this is true? And Fern guesses that because it's a teen magazine it must be like predicting the future so that if they stay the way they are they won't have friends when they're teenagers so uh afraid of losing their friends as they get older uh sue ellen starts acting less assertive and pretends she doesn't know things saying things like i'm probably wrong and expert me i'm only average or less (laughs) Fern becomes a bit of a bully and pushes her friends around. And my favorite Fern line in this episode is, Okay, potato chips, I've decided I'm reading a poem. You can accompany me. (laughs) (laughs) So in pretending to be what they're not, uh, Sue Ellen and Fern mess things up for everyone at spring day camp and discover that after they've ruined everyone's projects, that the actual solution is to be yourself because your friends like you for you, not listen to silly, I was going to say BuzzFeed quizzes, but this isn't BuzzFeed, this is popular (laughs) girls. Same thing. A couple of favorite things from this episode. Uh, Arthur at the beginning is talking about uh, day camp the previous year, and he says, my group did Shakespeare. Macbeth, you're scared. Witches, you're scary. <laughs> this is direct, the direction from Mr. Ratburn on that. The episode ends with Mr. Ratburn taking the quiz and deciding that he doesn't give nearly enough homework, so that needs to change. But oh, I love this episode so much. It's so, so good. good. I love when Fern is like a ghost, like Mr. Rappard's calling for her. And she's like, here I am. And then he's like, yes. oh, no Fern today. Like, oh, so traumatic. <laughs> yep. Yep. We- and she says when she reads her result that she's too quiet and no one knows she's there. She's like, it's my worst nightmare. Oh. I was like, oh, Fern. And probably my favorite part of the entire episode is Sue Ellen's imaginary sequence right after she reads her result. 
which is all of them in the band room, like practicing. And then Sue Ellen does this really amazing solo on her alto sax and everyone's like really upset and deciding they're never going to play again. And Arthur with his face in the piano says, I'm frightened by her excellence. (laughs) So good. I feel like I often quote silver, please go with red. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I forgot that was in this episode. I quote that all the time. (laughs) And the the karate (laughs) section is so great too. I love when Binky is just in an existential crisis of, why Why didn't she not even try? (laughs) Why? Why'd she do it? (laughs) And Mr. Rapper sigh because nobody is doing what they're supposed to do. He just says, truly dramatic, man. It's such a good episode. I'm so glad you gave it some representation because it needed to be. (laughs) It's so good. I love it so much. And there's also, you flipped Sue Ellen. But Fern flipped you. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> Everyone's <Yeah>. like, ah. <laughs> Stiff as a board, just taking it. Everybody should just go watch the episode because it is so fantastic. Biz, your number 10 is Arthur's Treasure Hunt. And then your number five is The Long Dull Winter. Okay. So Arthur's Treasure Hunt. Arthur and his friends are hanging out by like a stream or a river or something. And Buster, like, comes running in and is like, guess what I found? Oh, they're skipping rocks. And Binky grabs his rock to skip it. And he goes, no, don't. And Brain says, oh, it's a, um arrowhead. And he's like, oh, I just found it digging. And so now, then all of their friends want to go dig in their backyards. And Arthur's mom at first is like, no digging. And then she's like, okay, you can dig in the backyard, not the front and he ends up, like, getting carried away. DW tries to stop him. Then she ends up helping him. At the end, his friends all come back, and they're like, look, these are what we found. And then our Buster's like, wow, your mom is so cool. She let you dig up the whole yard. <laughs> they try to cover back up all the holes. <laughs> Arthur ends up getting grounded for two weeks. <laughs> Three throwing it down. <laughs> but the reason that I like this episode is just all the things that they, they imagine. Like, Arthur's digging. And he finds this helmet and then he like digs a little bit more and finds a statue and digs more. And there's this whole like Roman city that he uncovers. <laughs> and at the beginning, when Arthur is like introducing the episode, he's saying like, imagine if all the explorers and discoverers had done what their parents told them to do. And he's like pretending to be Galileo and his dad calls him Galley. <laughs> And Sir Isaac Newton. But Arthur's trying to make a bacon shake. <laughs> and his dad's like, do not make that. But I love that Arthur's like, I'm going to make a bacon flavored shake here. I also love it because it looks like it's raw bacon. It's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur does dig up this di- digestive biscuits tin. And I don't know why, but when I saw that, I was like, that is something from my childhood memory. Like that digestive biscuit tin. Yes. At one imagination sequence, he like finds this series of underground tunnels. And it it's like this like medieval castle looking thing. And it leads to Buster's closet. And he's just like, <laughs> hey, Arthur, what are you doing in my closet? <laughs> At the very end, they're all showing each other what they found. And Binky is like, oh, I found a root. And here's its name. I name all my roots. Oh my, he's so wholesome. Kind of a funny episode. Another imagination sequence 
is he has like all these tunnels throughout the city and they're like having a barbecue and they're like oh uh, we forgot to get charcoal and he like is that oh the same gosh, episode yes. and so yes. he's like i've got it and he like goes in through <laughs> yes. the underground tunnel and then like into the store and then like calculates the change and comes yes. back but then like something i quote all the time which is <laughs> jane reed goes it's a good thing you didn't listen to me <laughs> yes and like then it flashes back to the present, and Arthur was, like, explaining it, and DW just, like, does not buy it at all. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm so glad you have this episode on your list, because it is, like, a rare gem. Okay, so The Long Dull Winter. This one also, I just, I feel like they must have played it a bunch of times when I was growing up, because this one I remembered really well. Arthur is sitting in class, and he's just... Like the time is going by so slowly. And so he's like, why, why is everything so slow? We're all so tired. We're all so bored. And then they start reminiscing on like things that they did. And they start talking about like Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> and Buster goes, oh yeah, I remember they're talking about this Christmas special. <laughs> and Buster goes, oh yeah, it was called the kid who got clothes for Christmas. And it shows like this little boy opening Christmas present and it's closed. <laughs> Buster Soap goes, It was the saddest show I ever saw. It was great. <laughs> that episode put it in the top five for me just oh because my. of that part. It's so good. Also, so relatable. The things that right? make me cry so hard. I'm like, Seriously? Oh, I sobbed, but it was the best. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just love when they're in their snow clothes I don't know why but I just am here for their snow outfits (laughs) they're like all outside talking and Binky he's like Arthur maybe you have a lack of roughage and I'm like I did not understand that as a kid but now we're watching this (laughs) Binky just giving him like digestive device right (laughs) Binky coming in clutch So then Arthur and Buster are watching this movie and they're like brainstorming. They're like, we need a holiday. We should come up with a holiday. Meanwhile, the movie that they're watching is just like all these different images of like such weird things. Like, I can't remember any of them, but they're like, what's this movie even about? And they're like, I don't know. Let's go. There's like a dinosaur at one point and then like a construction crate. Just like the most random. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then all of their friends start thinking about holidays to invent and Buster's is give me candy day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they're like, wait, that's Halloween. And he's like, no, give me Buster Baxter candy. And you give me candy. And then when I've had enough, it shows him like walking down the sidewalk and his like clothes aren't fitting anymore. He goes, I give all the rest to the little children. He's like throwing out candy to all these little kids. <laughs> so good. I love this idea of just this holiday that revolves around one singular person. Right. <laughs> and then Francine's song of like, oh, the weather outside is crummy. <laughs> and you feel as lively as a mummy. The nothing then, to do today day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Binky's is like, we should just do a holiday where we have fireworks during the day. And everyone's like, well, we won't be able to see them. And he's like, yeah, but we won't be able to hear Mr. Ratburn teaching. And it like has fireworks exploding. And then Mr. Ratburn like getting redder and redder as he's shouting. And nothing's coming out. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. 
Yeah, it ends with them like in the sugar bowl. Can't can't decide what holiday, and then the sugar bowl starts putting out Valentine's decorations. So their long winter is almost over. That opening sequence when like the second hand is like barely moving all the clock and like Mr. Rappert is like slowly writing all the chalkboard. There are times you feel like time is moving oh. like that. It's you the worst. Right? <laughs> okay, so my number eight episode is Francine and the Feline. And it starts out with a debate about which pet is best. And I just love the introduction of the different pets at the beginning. Like Arthur's like, the best pet is a dog. And so it like cuts to somebody else. And he's like, hey, I'm not done yet. And Binky did an, an amoeba as a pet. And then Brain had like a virtual hamster, which I totally related to from my Tamagotchi days. Tamagotchi! <laughs> so that's the little intro before the title card. And after the title card, there's a suspenseful beginning, which I love. And the dad finding the cat in the junkyard. And then he brings the cat home and the sisters have very different reactions to this cat. Catherine, the older sister, she talks to the cat like I talked to my dog, Chloe. She's like, oh, sweetiekins. And she names the cat Rose Petal. And then, but the cat seems to not really have that personality. And the cat likes Francine more. Arthur, though, doesn't really like Francine having a cat. And he feels like that Francine's cat upsets Pal. And he's really protective of Pal. So Francine changes the cat's name to Nemo. And she's really, Francine's really bold with the cat. She just starts bringing the cat everywhere, even after Arthur asks her not to. And they get into a big argument. And Francine just says, like, I'm leaving for good bye and I just feel like I've had those fights before (laughs) with my (laughs) sisters and yeah so anyway to wrap up this little synopsis pal misses the cat he's really sad but Arthur thinks that like he's stressed out because of the cat and then one time Arthur is taking pal for a walk and Francine's taking her cat for a walk and they chase each other and Arthur chases them and then she licks Arthur and they end the episode arguing over which which is better cats or dogs and the pets are looking adoringly at them (laughs) I think the reason why I picked this episode episode to be in my top 10 is I don't love cats I'm with Arthur that dogs are the best but I did love the message that you can love unexpected things and that animals like open up this place in your heart that you wouldn't necessarily expect like the cat does for a friend scene my number six was i'd rather read it myself tired of being outdone by the tibbles dw proves to do the one thing they can't which is read the only problem is she can't read either and so uh they come into the situation where she has to entertain the tibbles and so she tells them she reads them a story which is the adventures of bw which is mm-hmm. of course all made up on the spot but it is an Easter egg episode, which is one of my favorites. So I'm just going to walk you all through some of my absolute favorite moments, which is like pretty much the whole thing. But <laughs> at the beginning, you get this sequence of everything that the Tibbles can do that she can't, like telling time. And they're like squinting at a clock. And one of them goes, it's 11 12. And the other one says, he's right. <laughs> 
and it's something Catherine and I quote all the time. I but also quote that all the time. It's... I'm so glad you brought that up. It's so good. <laughs> At the beginning, they're trying to trap, in Timmy's words, a Burmaese tiger. <laughs> and so they like dig a hole and then Mr. Haiti falls in it. <laughs> and Mrs. Tibble's like pulling back out and he goes, can I keep the peanut butter cup? <laughs> like everything about it is so good that they think they can catch a tiger with the peanut butter cup. Then Mr. Haiti like walks into this very <laughs> obvious trap just for the peanut butter cup. And he's like not even phased that he's just fallen several feet. <laughs> like... <laughs> I love it so much. He knows what he wants. <laughs> I didn't realize until my most recent rewatch. That always seemed such a random thing. But that's the whole reason that the Tibbles have to go over to the Reed house. It's because Mrs. Tibble is going to go buy more sod. Like, it's this throwaway line. But yeah, <laughs> I like never understood why that was part of it. I totally forgot. <laughs> I thought it was just like showing how bad the Tibbles were. But anyway. <laughs> Um, I also love, it does this thing where it's raining outside and so she has to entertain the Tibbles inside and they create chaos. They're like putting their shoe prints on the ceiling, which always fascinated me as a child. And (laughs) they also get DW's coloring book and they like just scribble in it. But then she just goes, this was my favorite coloring book. (laughs) It's so funny. And then she goes to get Arthur's help and he says that he has... 207,000 math problems to do. (laughs) (laughs) Some of my favorite things about the adventures of BW are the sound effects. There's like the transitions and it's like this old Batman like (laughs) with the little BW logo. That was such a good impression. I am so amazed. (laughs) So um, some of the, the best Easter eggs DW, well, B, excuse me, BW has a pony in her room, which is something DW's always wanted. This might not be a direct Easter egg, but Arthur is a mega transformalizer, but he transforms into a can of soup, which suspiciously looks like the bean can, but maybe I'm reading too much into it. There's also Bustrantor, which is the best theme song. The hungry robot, he just likes to eat. There's a reference to the stolen snowball. Walter the deer makes an appearance. She has to go on the balance beam and Arthur says, nobody's that good on a balance beam. (laughs) Which is one of our favorite quotes as well. Then the whole bike episode where she learns to ride without training wheels and she rides a no-wheeler. Octopuses in the lake. The spinach heads that she tries to avoid the spinach. And I also love when she keeps going back to the restaurant and they've like continued to grow over time. It's a great stylistic choice. The power ring of power, which comes from Aunt Lucy's wedding. The magic blinky, a throwback to when that got lost. Secret agent Nadine that no one else, an agent so secret no one else has seen before. They go to the all-in-one mart where they get lost. And I love when Nadine is like, we're lost. And BW's like, we're not lost. And then the narrator goes, they were lost. (laughs) Like, (laughs) such a relatable um, there's crazy pus, great crazy, not crazy pus, but crazy bus. Who <laughs> is driven by Pickles the Clown? So many references, <laughs> but it actually ends up being Arthur is the mega transformalizer. Um, but then Spanky, oh my gosh, what a throwback! Spanky oh, shows up as an eagle, and he flew in, and I quote, like a streak of bird coming in. <laughs> And then he sacrificed himself because, quote, his heart was too big. (laughs) But then it goes to this ceremony.
Party, led by the president. And he goes, he's like crying. He's giving the speech and he's like, Spanky was the bravest, boldest, best bird. And then they put a statue of Spanky on top of the Washington Monument. (laughs) And it's just like chock full of all these Arthur references that you would appreciate if you're a deep fan and like had seen all the episodes leading up to it. Oh my gosh, it's so entertaining and so funny and so many quotable lines. And then, of course, Mrs. Tibble comes to get them back and they want to borrow the book. And Arthur's like, oh, they're going to find out. You don't know how to read. And that night they're reading and she's reading them the story. And it's all about uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And Tommy goes, who's Lemon Yellow da Vintage? <laughs> <laughs> but they believe... <laughs> They believe it's a magic book that changes every time you read it and you never have to get another book again. So DW still comes out on top in the end, but such a genius episode. Like, not really immoral, nothing. It's just so entertaining and really for the fans. So this was one of my favorites as a kid. I'm so glad it was on your list. The bravest, boldest, boldest bird. <laughs> I just love the Spanky was so brave. Best bird. <laughs> Bill Clinton, like, over here crying about Spanky. <laughs> it's so good. Next is our collective group number 15, but Biz is number 8 and Annie's number 10, Arthur's Dummy Disaster. So this is the first George-centered episode, so I like that it was about one of the, like, background characters and we get to know them more. It starts with them all in this art class that I feel like we never see them in again. <laughs> and going around the table and showing what they made. And Francine shows this like board with nails in it. And she's like, it's a napkin holder. And then it goes to Binky. And he's like, he's made the same thing. And then Buster's also made the same thing. So it's just like funny to see what they've made. I love that scene in the beginning. The beginning is so relatable. Buster is like scrambling. He's like, this is a coat rack. And he hangs the coat and then the nail falls out. And then Binky says, this is a block of wood with two nails in it. And it's just so funny. He doesn't even try to be like, this is what I made. I was laughing so hard at the beginning. It goes to George and he like pulls out his briefcase and opens it up and pulls out Wally, the dummy. George is like super quiet, super shy. And then Wally's just like loud mouthed, making jokes, cracking up everybody. And Throughout the episode, <laughs> Wally just like is at first is entertaining and then just starts annoying everybody. And Arthur finally says to George, like, hey, Wally's annoying. We just want to talk to George. So I like that this episode is like some some kids that with quieter voices either like hide behind other forms or like animals or toys. And then everyone like came to accept and enjoy George for who he was and not for the dummy and yeah I think I agree with Elizabeth that the the message of this episode is like how much we all want to be liked and there are different parts of our personality that can shine in different circumstances like George really came alive with Wally but I feel like the episode has this message that all of who we are is enough and we need to believe that that's enough I also know this isn't my episode to speak on but I love that George calls Arthur out though because Arthur's like we want to speak to the real George and he's like but you don't like you never have and I'm always been this quiet kid and Arthur like has this moment of realization and I feel like there are a lot of 
children's TV shows that like let their protagonist have moments of like, oh, I have been doing something wrong or like I do need to make this correction. But also I love how bad Arthur is <laughs> at being a ventriloquist with Stanley and they like his whole family like shuns him for it, <laughs> like <laughs> hides Stanley away. All right. Number 14 is DW Tricks the Tooth Fairy. This is Lauren's number seven and Annie's number nine. In this episode, DW sees on TV an ad for a, it's like a barn full of clothes for her unicorn that she already has. And she wants it so bad. And she goes to her mom and says, how long will I have to save up to get it? And she's, she finds out it's going to be a long time, a couple months at least. And so DW is trying to figure out how she can get this. I don't even know how the unicorn wears the clothes, but like the commercial jingle for it, it's like it says something like you might as well not have a unicorn if your unicorn doesn't have clothes or something like that. Like it's yes. so funny. So to manipulative. Me. <laughs> yes. Oh, Arthur comes by and he's lost a tooth. And Debbie's like, That's disgusting. I'm so glad I don't have to lose my teeth and Arthur's like it's fine I like I got this money and DW says how come no one ever told me that so then she starts trying to figure out how she can pull her teeth out and get money for them tries to get pal to run and break her teeth off and then but pal's just adorable laying on the ground she convinces her mom that she has a toothache one of my favorite parts is she's like saying her tooth hurts at the dinner table and Arthur's like DW just wants to pull all her teeth out for money and her dad like chokes on his milk. Um, I don't know why he's so shook at that, but he is. <laughs> and then the mom says, okay, if it still hurts tomorrow, we can go to the dentist before we go to the museum. And then David Reed says, oh, I want to go to the museum. I have to work. I just thought that was so cute of him. And then they go to the dentist, and the dentist says, your teeth are perfectly fine. You probably won't see a tooth fairy for another year. And then they go to the museum, and I love it. It's a dinosaur museum, and it just looks so awesome. And I remember as a child being very excited about that dinosaur museum and wishing I could go. But there's also a very hyperfixation on teeth. Like, all the dinosaurs have these giant, shiny teeth. The security guard has, he's, like, sitting there like this, and his teeth are, like, shining. And DW keeps thinking, if I had teeth like that, I'd be rich. And then she sees there's shark teeth you can buy at the gift shop. And so she remembers she was giving Arthur that idea to use the shark teeth to show his friends. And so she decides she's going to trick the tooth fairy. And, and she tells Arthur about it. And Arthur gets so nervous that the tooth fairy is going to get mad and that she's never going to come and visit their house again. So he takes the money he just got for his own tooth and puts it under DW's pillow, but he forgets the shark tooth because he's so stressed out because Kate is awake and just staring at him, and he keeps kicking the bowling ball that's on DW's floor. I don't know why. <laughs> he says, why does DW have a bowling ball? And then DW wakes up in the morning, and she's singing that she tricked the tooth fairy. And then she says, and the tooth fairy left the tooth, so I'm going to do it again tonight. And Arthur is sad. I don't love that the episode, the reason why it's not higher for me is the episode is unresolved. I get so sad that Arthur's going to have to do that again. <laughs> the other thing I really remember about this episode was that creepy tooth choir at the beginning <laughs> when all their teeth fall out. <laughs> um, and I also enjoyed the speculation about what the tooth fairy does with all the teeth. 
But my, probably my favorite thing is just the sweet, like, sibling dynamic that Arthur and DW have. That Arthur's, like, so stressed out. And then he's, you know, doing it probably because he doesn't want the tooth fairy to not come to their house. But I just feel like he also just has these adventures in his life because of DW's antics. And I just, like, love that of portrayal in Arthur. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that I feel like this greatly affected the image of the Tooth Fairy in my head, like what she looked like, how I imagined her to be. I did, it did make me wonder all the questions about the Tooth Fairy. Like DW keeps asking Arthur all these other questions and he's just like, I gotta go, bye. What is the Tooth Fairy? What is her drive? Where does she get the money? Like there were all these questions that were not answered and I- <laughs> I never found the answers. <laughs> Still don't know these things. The next episode is number 13, Arthur and DW Clean Up. This is Biz and my number nine and Lauren's number 10. So Arthur like comes in to introduce the episode and he's showing off his dream house. And it has like this like gelatin room. And then he like goes into this other room and it's a full on roller coaster in the, the roller house. coaster room. Yes, yes, <laughs> so so sweet. So then his mom keeps like pestering him throughout the episode to clean up his room because he'll go into his room and there's just stuff everywhere. He just like shoves things and like everything's falling. Anyway, so finally his mom is like, "You need to go clean your room," because he's watching this TV show that he really likes. He just calls Buster on the phone and asks Buster to, like, explain what's happening. because And Buster's terrible at it. And he's like, oh, there are two of them. And Arthur's like, two of what? Two of what? And Buster goes, ah, cool. Like, he's not figuring it out at all. And so then he, like, finds a way to watch it and listen to it. He looks across out his window and he can see the TV and someone else is watching it. So he, like, clears all this clutter, finds these binoculars, and then he calls Buster and tells him to put it next to the TV. And he's looking at it through his binoculars, and he says to himself, I might be as smart as the brain. (laughs) I legitimately quote that to myself when I feel like I do something extra intelligent. (laughs) And then his mom picks up the phone and can hear the TV show, and she's just like, Arthur? They're eating breakfast and DW is like playing with this toy and it's like, ah, ah, help me. And it starts drowning in her cereal bowl. <laughs> Dad's just like, toys stay out of the cereal bowl, DW. I feel like we would do that when we were young, like just be playing with things where they didn't belong. <laughs> 100%. David Reed decides that it would be a good idea for DW and Arthur to help each other clean up their room because DW's room is also messy. So they go to Arthur's room first and at first like DW is just making fun of all of Arthur's stuff. Isn't that the one it has got a lot of like nods to previous episodes? And- yes. And I love the callback to the moon boots that she's yes. wearing this like big light bulb costume <laughs> from the thomas edison play episode yeah, yeah. there's also yeah. the no guessing makes an appearance oh the board my game gosh, that's right and a cookie bag <laughs> from when they all became yes. cookies <laughs> the one part that i love is when arthur she, she's got this like stub of a pencil and she's like you don't need this right and arthur's like that's the pencil that blah 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 and dw just stares at him and throws it in the trash can (laughs) as she just so savage 
And I remember seeing that clip in like a, a compilation of Savage Arthur moments. So <laughs> I love that part. Like fun little references. Yeah. And then Arthur like wants to keep a popsicle stick. DW- oh, because DW's like, can I at least throw this away? And he's like, no. What if I start my popsicle stick collection? And then she just like drops it. <laughs> drops it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel so personally attacked in I that know. moment because like that is legitimately me the things I hold on to because I'm like one day I will use this I'm not even joking right over there in my room I have like three almost used candles because I'm like I'm gonna wash this out and use these jars one day and like they've been sitting there for actual months like oh I'm so called out <laughs> that's so great I I just went through like my room and was organizing stuff and there was something so I was like why did I think I needed to hold on to this but see, you have the ability to throw it away now. I still hold on to it. I'm still <laughs> Arthur. When DW finds a note and she's like, ooh, <laughs> and thinks it's a love note from Francine. <laughs> and it's not. Arthur, thanks for letting me borrow your library book or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I love the reason that they're, they like finally find motivation to clean up their room. And it's so they can go to something called Happy Crazy Wow Day. Yes, this was like legendary though. Like I was always like, when is Happy Crazy Wow Day going to come to us? (laughs) (laughs) The coolest event around. (laughs) So then they finish Arthur's room. They go over to DW's. Arthur's just trying to go super fast, and he's like putting, throwing the stuffed animals in to this bin. And DW's like, no. The stuffed animals need to be in the right order. And that's where I'm like, oh, that was me as a kid. <laughs> like, my stuffed animals all had a certain place. If the hippo's on the monkey, she can't breathe. <laughs> Arthur's, like, shoving clothes away. And there's, like, a throwback to Annie and Lauren's episode about the horse bin. Like, the horse barn with clothes in it so he's like trying to put away all these doll clothes and he ends up putting a lot of dw's clothes in the same thing because she's like they go on these tiny hangers and he's like so affronted he's like we don't have time to play and so he just shoves them in and goes they're put away and they're put like, away. probably in the top i know i probably say this all the time but like top five quotes that we use it is so funny they're put away at the end DW ends up just like wanting to organize her room herself because Arthur isn't helping and she just wants to do it all herself. And so he goes to Happy Crazy Bow Day, which like looks like it's just a regular old fair. <laughs> but he, he and his friends are like kind of commiserating about, you know, like, oh, when you have to clean your room and stuff. And the brain says, one time my mom wouldn't let me do any extra credit assignments until I had my room <laughs> cleaned. And Buster's just like yo-yoing, staring at him. And he goes, why can't I have your mom? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh boy, back into a great, great episode. So this is number 12, Return of the King. This is my number five and business number seven. Oh my gosh, I love this episode so much. I love this episode. <laughs> so a field trip to a medieval fair goes awry when the third grade can't compete against a formidable foe who the, the teacher they fear may replace Mr. Ratburn if they don't win any of the competitions. This is, of course, Lakewood versus Glenbrook. And Mr. Price Jones is the teacher who is 
used to teach Mr. Ratburn and is like really threatening him on all these levels. But I also did not realize this until my most recent rewatch when he's like, we've been through all the fairs in Europe, like in Bath and Avignon. I was like, what? <laughs> There's no way. This is, it was just, just so funny that like they're going to these kind of, they're not going to like London or Paris. They're going to like semi-obscure European cities. This like random third grade class. So funny. <laughs> They're like, Lakewood's, or this is going to be a breeze, Elwood City's medieval fair. <laughs> also, why is Elwood City having a medieval fair? I love it. It's also fun because there's these lookalikes, these doppelgangers, if you will, in Glenbrook that match up to all of the Arthur characters in the third grade. The doppelgangers go head to head throughout all these competitions and Lakewood is just continually losing. Of course, in the end, they find out they never do win a competition, but they were worried because they overheard Mr. Haney saying, that Mr. Price Jones was going to come teach and they thought they were going to lose Mr. Rapburn. In reality, it was just Mr. Haney's niece and nephew that he wants to be tutored by Mr. Price Jones, so all is well. But let's get into some of these amazing quotes. <laughs> so the first competition is between Arthur and his doppelganger in this maze. <laughs> and this is something that I quote quite often. The guy that is signaling them to start, he goes, Hi thee hence! And Arthur just like stares at him and he goes, that means go, kid. <laughs> but I also love Mr. Rapburn's advice because Mr. Price Jones is like, you've got to use like the sun and remember where North is. And Mr. Rapper just goes, Arthur, use your head, <laughs> which is just solid advice. <laughs> right. And then Arthur falls out of the maze and sees this line of people trying to pull a sword from the stone. And he just straight up butts everybody in line. This always bothered me. Like, there is a clear cue forming, and Arthur just waltzes on up. Anyway, but there is quite the famous quote. "Tis a gentle hand will rule the land. So classic. I seriously love it so much. <laughs> because these quotes will just come to you at yes. random moments life and they're so funny like when would you ever really use those ideas <laughs> that means <laughs> go kid <laughs> i wish i'd use that teaching more <laughs> oh my gosh i also love at one point mr rapper is like talking to them about the insane things mr price jones would do and he's like and some people say i'm a tough teacher and buster's like no who would say that <laughs> I also love when this is so random, but when he's talking to them and just like peeling the apple with that yes, knife. With the knife, with the paring knife. I love it so much. <laughs> At the famous dinner, which we've talked about on this podcast before, of the famous song. The song about the 42 <laughs> kings of England that oh is my. 25 minutes long. <laughs> I just love like all their expressions, the Elwood yes. City kids compared to their kids. At the yes. end of the song. Or Mr. Price Jones is like, whoever can name this random king could get my extra helping of figgy pudding. And all the Glenbrook kids are so excited and nobody from Lakewood knows. And you can just see like Mr. Rapper and you hear this like musical interlude where he just like slouches. Oh, it's uh, so good. <laughs> like, I think they humanize Mr. Rapper a little bit more in this episode. I feel like they do that throughout the series with Mr. Mm -hmm. Rapper. And in this one, like I love when they make the castle and he loves it so much. And he's like, I'm going to display this at the school, even though it doesn't get them any points or it doesn't win the competition. I couldn't get all of the names of the doppelgangers, but Binky's doppelganger is named Winky. And then Brains uh, is named IQ. Like, they're just some really solid. Some of my other 
favorite quotes were Buster had this big pie eating competition that he lost. And then later he's talking about wanting more food. And they're like, you just ate 13 pies. And he goes, I feel empty inside. (laughs) And also, I love with that castle competition because Glenbrook wins because they make the most like historically accurate castle. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Price Jones comes over to like correct them on the lake and all this stuff and then he, there's a little flag that has Lakewood on it and he goes and Lakewood would have an E on the end <laughs> like it's just so over the top oh I love it so much oh it's just a golden episode with such classic moments that are so funny Arthur at the end pulls the sword out and it just like voids everything else yeah <laughs> right like <laughs> yes oh my gosh Mr. Price Jones even I yeah he's like wow (laughs) and like goes over and shakes Mr. Rappert's hand he's like you taught this man to think for himself (laughs) and also that Arthur like gets to wear this crown home (laughs) oh my gosh it's so good (laughs) all right number 11 is Arthur goes crosswire this is Biz's number two Annie's number seven and my number 10 I love how this art this episode starts off with dw acting like a cat and so Arthur, like her all these things to do and she'll do them but then the main part of the episode so all the kids are assigned a group project and ratburn assigns everyone and buster and arthur are like crossing their fingers to be assigned together i relate so much to that even in graduate school i was like still being like oh group project please let me be assigned to work with like the people I want to work with (laughs) so I love that part and Arthur ends up with Muffy which he's not excited about at all and (laughs) I love the part when he's like walking with Buster and Muffy pulls up in her limo and has Arthur get in and Arthur rolls down the window halfway so it's his top of the face and Buster's bottom (laughs) of his face (laughs) and it's just like this funny like mishmash of those two they go well watching on her yacht I have to also just do a quick shout out to the podcast that Rachel introduced me to about our, that talks about Arthur. They just sometimes are like, what is the hierarchy in this world that they're doing a re- report about animals, but they are animals. And so I can't not notice things like that now. <laughs> I'm so glad you're giving uh, Elwood City Limits a shout out. You know I am. And they end up saving the bionic bunny actor. Wilbur Rabbit. <laughs> Yes. And he says, Artie, those are swell glasses. (laughs) If only someone had said that to me about my glasses when I was young. But then Arthur just, at first he's so hesitant to do anything with Muffy. And then at lunch, all the kids are impressed that like, well, you get to be on Muffy's yacht. And so he starts buying into like Muffy's attitude and her perspective. And so just a few notable quotes is, they get interviewed at the Celebrities at Scene Network. Celebrities at Scene Network. I love that there's a whole channel devoted to that. I also do love when Arthur, like, mic drops. Like, when he's like, he'll probably mention that on TV tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. We love Snooty Arthur. We didn't see you on the news. And he goes, you don't have satellite TV? But I love Wilbert Rabbit, his interview, and he's like, even way out at sea, my adoring fans still managed to find me. (laughs) 
Also, when they're writing their own constitution for their Wilbur Rabbit Club, and they're like, we the people, hey, that sounds great. Pledge to, like, just such classic lines. And then just a few other things. Arthur drops his lunch accidentally, and Muffy's like, whoa, you're not going to eat that. It's been on the floor, right? And so then he gives it to Buster, and Buster is like, thanks. My mother only gave me one sandwich again. (laughs) Just like an offhanded comment, but... (laughs) I love that part. And then I do just love the like vomitrocious tagline <laughs> that comes out too. Also, when Arthur drops a book and Brain and Binky are like, Arthur, you dropped this. And Muffy's like, ahem. And he goes, it's just a book. It can be replaced. Just live rent free in my memory. So at the very end, they're all like, what can we do to get Arthur back to who he is? And they're all playing softball and then they all start acting like Muffy and Arthur's like they're acting like you and then Muffy's like no they're acting like you and so then like I love how their faces change (laughs) um and then to carry Arthur jumps in a puddle and gets all messy and then Muffy's like you can't all be me (laughs) and just like walks away and then they start playing softball together I think the message of this is I know I've like wanted to impress somebody or maybe just like think they're cool. So I start acting differently. And I think it's just a good reminder to be yourself, just like Arthur, just like the dummy episode. I thought if only it was that easy to resolve some interpersonal things was to jump in a puddle and be like, ah, problem solved. (laughs) I was thinking also like, okay, so the message is maybe that nobody likes you if you turn into a snooty excluder and then I just thought about again Muffy's unique place in this world that she kind of is this snooty like like Elizabeth said not all of you can be me like that's her attitude how great it is that Muffy gets to exist in this world where she is naughty but they still love and accept her anyway I just like thinking about that and that though it's still like Elizabeth saying so important to be who you are because they accept Muffy for who she is. But if you change and start trying to be like somebody else, especially their undesirable qualities, like excluding them or making them feel worse about themselves, nobody likes that. All right. Number 10 is The Chips Are Down and Revenge of the Chip, a two-episode, two-parter. This is Annie's number one, so we're going to let her talk about it, but also Lauren's number three and my number eight. I rewatched it. I was laughing so hard. And I was like, based on my laughter and enjoyment this time, I have to rank that number one because it was so funny. So that is why I think it's so high for me is just the second part of this was hilarious. So I will try and keep this short. The chips are down starts with Buster and Arthur are sorting chips before they eat them. And they have really funny categories. And they find this green chip. And DW wants to eat a chip, and they keep telling her, no, you have to wait till we sort them all. And DW finally goes to her mom. So her mom has Arthur and Buster come in the room, and she's asking them, can DW have a chip? And while the mom is talking to Arthur and Buster, DW goes and eats the green chip. This one. DW has the green potato chip and she goes, it's so beautiful. I want to keep it forever. And then instantly eats it. It's so good. Arthur and Buster come back into the room and they see the green chip is gone. 
And Arthur says, I bet it was DW. And he wants to get back at her. So the way that he plays is that he plays this trick on her and says that green chips are poisonous. And if you eat one, you're going to die. And they say this conversation where DW can overhear them. But then she doesn't have a reaction. And so Arthur's like, oh, I thought that would work, but it didn't. And DW is sitting there thinking she only has a little bit of time left. Nadine, her imaginary friend, makes an appearance. They have a little conversation about what they should do. Nadine says, I think you should ask someone that knows. Because I think she says, I only know what you know, which is cute. And so DW goes to the Tibble twins and asks them, about green chips and they say oh you mean the poisonous ones so that confirms to dw that she is in trouble binky is there swinging and she calls him big head kid they say oh he's trying to swing over the bar (laughs) so good (laughs) binky has also eaten a green chip and so he thinks that he also has only a little bit of time one of my favorite parts is he think he jumps off the swing and the swing does go over the bar and it takes the longest time for the swing to come back down and it hits him and then pinky goes hey he like gets <laughs> the swing hitting him is so funny um and then there's this amazing montage of dw and binky just like accomplishing all of these things that they wanted to do i just think it's absolutely so wholesome that dw and binky have developed this such an unlikely bond and they like don't even know each other's names for half the episode they just call each other big head kid and arthur's sister um but just when they're off doing all of dw's bucket list items my heart just feels so full it's just so adorable and there's this awesome part where he's in the classroom and he's like mr rapper i did not do my homework i did not see the point in it and he gets sent to the principal's office. And then Mr. Haney is like, now what's this I hear about you not doing your homework? And Binky like has this like soliloquy where he's like, our life is so fleeting. And do we really want to spend it frittering away doing our homework? And then it cuts to Principal Haney with Mr. Ratburn. And he goes, this boy has the soul of a poet. This budding Walt Whitman. I am. And Mr. Rappert is like, Pinky Barnes, the soul of a poet. And then he goes, he's inspired me to pursue my dream of climbing Mount Everest. And Pinky goes, see a herb. And it (laughs) killed me that he like became such good friends with the principal that he would be able to say, see a herb at the end of their conversation i love 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 that scene when binky says i'm not gonna do my homework mr rapper just goes oh like his jaw just dropped i just love his unfiltered reaction to that and his reaction to mr heaney calling him a poet another one of my favorites was have you ever really looked at a leaf and he's like yeah i did it yesterday for five hours (laughs) i just like loved it loved it and then his goals binky's goals are to like take a bite of the sun (laughs) and then like drink the ocean maybe (laughs) 
related to food. That's probably why I also relate to Binky as a character. The brain like explains to him like, this is why you can't do those things. And I love brain's explanations. And then um, Binky's like, okay, there's only one thing left then for me to do before I die. And it's to take ballet. And he has this big recital. And eventually DW finds out that the green chip isn't poisonous because she, she sees Arthur about to eat one and she knocks it out of his hand. And that's when she says, oh, I was saving you. The green ones are poisonous. And Arthur's like, aha, you did eat my chip. They explain to DW, like, you're not going to die. Binky has invited everybody to his ballet recital. <laughs> it's just so great. He comes off stage and he's like panting so hard. And DW's like, uh, I have something to tell you. <laughs> and the next scene is like Binky in a trench coat, like in the audience, like so embarrassed. <laughs> and his friends are like, what are you? The, t- the cute, cu- tough Rattles. customers came to support Binky. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, it was all a joke. Ha ha ha. Like, I wasn't really doing ballet. And then they go, oh, that's too bad. You were the best part. And then you see Binky stand up and he goes, excuse me, I have a swan to catch. (laughs) And again, just like this episode's so great. Like what if Binky hadn't gone back up there? What would happen to the ballet dancer he was supposed to catch? Anyway. Prunella, I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's Prunella's older sister. Is it Rubella? Uh Uh-huh. I think it's Rubella. And I'm just obsessed with Binky being a ballet dancer. I think that's such... It seems like a ahead of its time kind of thing to like encourage femininity in boys. And like, if a boy does ballet, that's cool. Like, I think he's the coolest, toughest guy and he's doing ballet and everyone loves it. Everyone is encouraging to do it. So I think that's awesome. And I also just love when they're trying to explain why, like, how come Vicky's doing ballet? And then Arthur, someone says to Buster, maybe it's Arthur, he says, don't say space aliens. Like, that's just. <laughs> Buster's uh, explanation Go for everything, to. and I, I love that about Buster. Again, the ending is just so funny. Like the aliens come, <laughs> Buster's surmising about like where green chips come from or something, and the aliens go, "Don't blame us. We're just ballet fans." <laughs> and I just feel like the message is to live your life to its fullest, and you know, not let other people's like stereotypes influence what you can or can't do i love that binky wants to be a ballet dancer and then he that he does it so and even though this is like an unlikely way that he gets pushed into it so the revenge of the chip starts with this show that they're watching and it's about embarrassing moments arthur talks about how dw embarrasses him and it shows like her behavior at a movie but then they find out that this show, I can't remember the name, which I'm sorry about that. You do the most embarrassing things. I knew Rachel would come through, <laughs> um, is coming to Elwood City. So Arthur wants to go. DW also wants to go. Arthur tells her, like, as long as you don't embarrass me and you're old and like you act old enough to go, you can come. And so for most of the episode, DW is on this quest to prove that she's older. And <laughs> alongside this, it's sort of like the green chip has become family lore in the Reed family and the parents <laughs> like are laughing about it. And when Arthur brings it up at dinner and DW is embarrassed about it. Um, but some of the things that she as she's going around, one of the my favorite things that she did to prove she was older was get that huge library book. She's got the giant book. She's like, can you tell me what it's about? And Arthur reads macro 
economics. And she goes, I love that. (laughs) I just think that's, I think I do that sometimes where I'm just like, I don't know what that is, but I love it. (laughs) She like has to wheel it around in her wagon. The squeakiest wagon. (laughs) And Arthur's like, that doesn't prove anything. But as they're going around town, it becomes clear that everybody knows about the green chip. They like keep saying these little comments to her. We wouldn't want to lose you. Like, I feel like that just goes in my head so often. My also one of my favorite things was when she's like spying because she thinks Arthur's telling everybody. And so she starts spying on (laughs) Arthur and Buster. And it's so funny that they her techniques for spying are really obvious. And so Buster and Arthur keep catching her. And she'll go, oh, they're using the TV to drown out their voices when they're just watching TV. And she goes, very suspicious. And then she's like dressed as a bush, but it's like so obvious that <laughs> it's not really a bush. And she's like, hello, DW. Yes. She's trying to read their lips. Yes, because throughout just... this, Buster is always being like, hello, DW. Hello, DW. <laughs> and so they're in the treehouse. And she's like, ah, they have their backs turned, so I can't read their lips. And then you see Buster turn and just mouth, hello, Hello, DW. (laughs) It's so funny. She's like, I need more sophisticated equipment. (laughs) And it's so funny to me that every time she, like, the conclusion she draws is very suspicious. (laughs) So I just laughed so hard at all of that. And then the newspaper comes out. And there's an article about it, that Buster's mom has written about DW and the green ship. And so she's horrified and she imagines like being president and that this green ship article will like haunt her and make people laugh at her even when she's the president. And I just think that's how we all feel sometimes It's when something embarrassing happens to us. Like, oh, this is going to define me for the rest of my life. So true. Um, and so she asked Arthur to help her and he has this moment where he in his mind thinks about helping DW and not helping DW and how she will respond. And that made me laugh. So he, Arthur eventually decides to go with her and collect the newspapers. And I just love the little shout outs like that in this sprinkled throughout this whole episode. Like she talks about her snowball at one point, like, and you stole my snowball. And Arthur's like, I did not. Oh, but how heartbreaking is it? They go collect all the newspapers from town. As soon as they finish, there's a newspaper lands at their feet. And she's like, what are you doing? And the guy's like, oh, we're re-delivering. Re- Someone's dog must have stolen all the newspapers or something like that. And it's just like, oh my gosh, how defeated would you be? You yes. spent all day getting all the newspapers. Anyway, but one of my favorite parts is that when the mom turns into lips. Yes. She no. like sees <laughs> the mom talking. And she's like, and what I am, and Bonita, and da la la la. So it is iconic. like seared into my memory, like yes. such an iconic scene. Yes. Horrifying. And so DW like feels so betrayed by her mom. And then she talks to her mom and her mom is like, I'm so sorry. I won't say anything. When Arthur helps her, but then he, he like spends all this time doing so much. And then at the very end, the mom is like, can you take these to the recycling center? <laughs> you just been there. Like, I don't know why it's so funny to me. And then they're at the show. The classic Buster being like, it's okay. One time my mom called me Boo Boo, but nobody remembers. And then Buffy comes and goes, hi, Boo Boo. (laughs) My favorite quote is 
I just have to lay low until college, which you said, like, she's this four-year-old that's planning out her life until college. And DW overhears her mom again telling somebody about the green chip. And she is just so overcome by this. And I think I really love this episode that they show, like, parents making mistakes, but they show this beautiful repair process Mm -hmm. of the mom, like, owning what she did wrong and talking to DW about it and comforting her and her feelings and then saying like, okay, how can we work this out together? Because people are going to ask me like, what are you comfortable with? And I just like love that so much. There's the sweetest interaction between DW and Binky again, where Binky is practicing down at the pier. (laughs) And I love that. She's like wearing the football helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so she's wearing the football helmet and Binky asks her, are you okay, sir? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and DW explains like her problem, and he's like, "Well, when people stare at me, I just stare at them so they don't laugh." But truly, that moment between Binky and DW before Jane Reed comes to the pier when she's like crying and her hair is like blowing in the wind is like one of my very favorite scenes of from Arthur from all time like not even like the whole binky part just that like little two second clip oh it is like in my heart forever and the music the, I music. Like the music is so good so good oh love such a great episode it ends up binky goes on the show dw thinks oh no i am they're doing the green chip on me again because they do an introduction about someone eat, ate a green chip and thought they would die and it's Binky, and he comes out and just owns it, but the audience starts laughing, and he just stares at him, and everyone goes quiet. <laughs> and I think it's so funny. Oh my gosh. And then gosh. this is the other part that's, like, seared in my brain, when the, the, they end with another ballet, like an original ballet about Binky eating the green chip, and him taking a bite of the chip costume. Yes! <laughs> well, we'll go on to number nine which is Sue Ellen and the Brainosaurus. Biz, this was your number four and my number seven. I feel like brain-centered episodes are always so strong. They're so entertaining, so funny, and just like so dramatic. So again, in this one, they're also being paired up for teams on a project. Right, it's like the second half. It's it's kind of a two-parter because you do see Arthur and Muffy like having their side adventure about the whales. I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, so this is the same one. I love that Francine and Buster get paired up. <laughs> Francine is having to like, like, doesn't she have Buster at one point? At the very end, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> Buster just is not doing anything and just avoiding Francine. To such extents, too. Like, he wears a disguise at one point. Oh, so good. So funny. Like, that B-plot is too great. <laughs> So Suellen and Brain get paired up and Brain is just like, I'm going to do this whole project, but he doesn't really tell Suellen that. And Suellen's like super eager to help and helpful. Like she would be a great team member to have, but Brain just keeps doing everything on his own. (laughs) And this is the episode where this is Brain like fantasizing, but he's like on stage, built this amazing T-Rex. So he's like, let me show you my creation or whatever. So this T-Rex comes out and he's like, and all the audience is like, ah! and then he's like, hello, hello, hello. Is this thing on? Oh, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he starts telling a joke. He's like, last night I saw an elephant in my pajamas. How the elephant got in my pajamas, I'll never know. <laughs> There's this like, 
pause where he's waiting for them to laugh and they all just get up and run away it should not be as funny as it is but it seriously (laughs) is my favorite hello hello hello. welcome to the show (laughs) also this giant t-rex and it's just gonna do stand-up brain is like so worried that sue ellen is going to mess up their project and he imagines sue ellen like making this t this like t-rex model and it's all out of food or there's one that's like it's she's like put a like little blonde wig on it and like lipstick and i'm just like laughing at it (laughs) so he's just like terrified that she's going to mess it up well and in that imagination sequence mr rapper is also like writing down the grade and shaking his head and going i'm afraid you're going to be in the third grade for a long time alan Then Sue Ellen is like imagining brain just like working overtime and he's like (laughs) so sleep deprived, but he says to himself, must keep working. And he like starts to fall asleep and this whole machine. Yeah, this like like Rube Goldberg machine. (laughs) Yeah. And at the very end, there's like nails on a chalkboard. So it like shocks him back away. (laughs) Must keep working. Must keep working. (laughs) Like, how many times have you said that to yourself? <laughs> yes. And then I like how uh, at one point, like, Sue Ellen wakes up and is just like, or maybe it was she comes home and her mom's like, did you have a bad dream? And she's like, no, a bad reality. Oh, it's the, I quote it so much to myself. <laughs> <laughs> brain, does Brain push Sue Ellen? And then, or maybe I think Sue Ellen. They're like, they're both oh, holding they're... the, like, model t-rex that they've built sue ellen lets go and brain falls back into the mud and so then brain is talking to francine about it and she goes she let you fall i would have pushed you (laughs) (laughs) he's like well i'm kind of a rude person (laughs) brain kind of realizes like how he's been a little bit of a jerk to sue ellen when sue ellen like goes to brain in the morning at one point like knocks on his door to help and he answers the door and he just has like the biggest bags under his eyes and his hair is all like frizzy and I'm like tired brain is such a mood but in the end brain is like we don't have a report he apologizes but he's like we don't even have a report to hog Sue Ellen's like just trust me and and he learns to trust her and then you do see this snapshot of the end of Muffy and (laughs) Arthur's brain or whale watching project and Arthur is dressed as this huge whale (laughs) But then they go on a field trip outside to where their model T-Rex has been spilled in the dirt and they get to like excavate for the model T-Rex and it like the day is saved, basically. It is a great episode full of these very fun moments. So good. And I do love that Sue Ellen is in it a little bit more. Yeah. An episode about learning to trust others and to share the work and to not take everything on and communicate. All very good things. And Arthur just dropping knowledge it's so good it's so so good i love the cold open too where the brain is directing arthur on how to do the cold open and the the line that they say is some people oh no i got i can't remember it some people just have to do everything themselves yes oh my gosh you really came through and clutched there (laughs) they won't let anybody else do oh it's so good and so over and over again he keeps making Arthur redo it and eventually he makes him switch shirts and then the brain does it with like Arthur's glasses (laughs) so good (laughs) so this is the group number eight of course Sarah picked it as her number two episode and Lauren picked it as number nine this is DW all fired up 
<laughs> I love this episode so much. DW's preschool class is going to have a fire drill. And the more DW learns about a fire drill, the <laughs> less excited she is about the prospect. Because at first she thinks, wow, our class will have a fire drill. And then she pictures like a Miss Morgan with like a welder's mask <laughs> with a drill that has fire coming out of it. And she's like sculpting something. Uh, you can see the reflection of the flames and all the kids welding masks. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but then uh, DW thinks that they're actually going to set the school on fire. And that's what a fire drill is. So that to be prepared for the eventuality that maybe the school might catch on fire, they will set the school on fire to make sure everyone knows what to do. Um <laughs> So DW starts avoiding going to school. Her family d- decides that she will be the, f- the warden, of course. And she's like, I'm a warden? Wow. And then points at Arthur, back in your cell. <laughs> it's an episode that's all about like fire safety. And it actually, like, I remember like thinking to myself when I was thinking about fire drills and like, what if my house caught on fire or something like that? I remember remember like thinking about like stop drop and roll and also like put a wet towel on your head so it was an informative episode in that sense but it's also just I love this episode so much but yeah I always thought about it when we talked about fire drills and fire safety and at my house and at school I always remember don't they doesn't she like draw a map of their house or something Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always remember her little map that she drew. And I remember drawing a map of our house and, like, making sure we had a way to get out. It was, like, a little two-bedroom apartment. And I still, like, this is how you get out. There's only one exit. We would uh, I would draw a little fire escape plan. And, yeah, the stop, drop, and roll. I feel like when they taught me that in school, I was like, duh. I know that. They do, like, the escape ladder, too, out the window. and Oh, yeah. like coaching on Nadine and Arthur walks by and just like stares at the empty ladder (laughs) (laughs) I remember always being rather disappointed that we didn't get to use the fire ladders I remember worrying that my family didn't have one oh I can't remember what it is uh that DW says first but I always remember like remain calm faster people there's a fire in here and uh I remember when she like looks at her timer once they're all outside she's like not bad, but we've got to get it down to 58 seconds. <laughs> They're all like, oh. <laughs> the mom is like, do you want me to walk you in? And she's like, no, it's okay. And then she drives away and she goes, yes. She says, the best mother I ever had. <laughs> I may never see her again. It's sweet because it's like using, like, I don't know, her anxiety becomes action. And then she's able to help her classmates. Because when they actually do have a fire drill, everybody's panicking. And Emily's, like, trying to gather things up to take with her. And Joey's like, we're not supposed to take anything with us. <laughs> Tommy or Timmy, I think it's Tommy, ends up having, like, a panic attack. DW's like, wow, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't bad at all. <laughs> I think this is the episode, too, when Arthur's, like, trying to give her lemonade. And she keeps, like, scooting because she's watching the barbecue <laughs> fire. <laughs> yeah fire monster like the it's so good i love him that was scary <laughs> he gives some like what's the name in the in howl's moving castle calcifer yeah 
Calcifer vibes. But this isn't the one with Firefighter Scott in the middle, right? It is! That is my final end. Yes, this (laughs) leads into the greatest And Now Words from Us Kid, (laughs) which is And Now Word for Me, Firefighter Scott. The best. 100%. Like, there are some really classic And Now Word from Us Kids, but nothing will ever top Firefighter Scott and all that his Boston accent would ever do for us. Wait, you have to quote his thing about. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right He's because gone. it's my my um Twitter bio. It's your Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you see me in the smoke, I'm not a monster. I'm a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Ah, please tell me that Firefighter Scott is still alive and well because that is the celebrity meeting <laughs> I want. Oh my gosh, Lauren, can we get him on the podcast? That would oh be the most amazing gosh. guest host. He Not that you guys aren't amazing. like 80 years old. I don't even care. We're getting Firefighter <laughs> Scott on the podcast. That is a promise. I would Should... count the minutes until the episode dropped. That is the celebrity status oh, yeah. we need. Such a deep kind yeah, of celebrity. Scott. And now a word from us kids. So our two questions that we have for this episode are, what would your, and now word from us kids, subject be and the second one is how have you emulated an arthur character this week i know it's kind of a cop-out because this is my answer for everything but i would love it if there was an award from us kids about collaging (laughs) kids make the most hilarious adorable collages i've had a lot of friends who have gone into teaching elementary art and they will send me pictures of their kids collages and it's so cute (laughs) And like the way that they animate the like oh my children's gosh. art, it would be so cool. Yes. It would be so fun. It would be so magical. Ah, I love that so much. <laughs> I think that I would go with, they might already have it. I was debating between a couple. I think I would go with snowboarding though and just show like a couple little kids getting out there, snowboarding, enjoying Adorable. being in the, on the mountains, right? <laughs> Especially shredding. because have you seen the videos of the little like, four-year-old girl who's miked when she's going down oh yes. it's a little dinosaur outfit yes i'm obsessed <laughs> so sign me up for this oh my gosh right? i feel like word from us kid segments is about the topic of the episode previously so i started thinking what is the topic of my life right now and i feel like i am reading a lot of books about animals just got back from the zoo and making animal sounds for Aubrey. Aubrey's acting like an animal someday. She'll <laughs> crawl around and I have to guess which animal she's being. Adorable. So that's what the word from us kids segment would it would just be about something about animals. Mine would be about kids going to um like an alpaca farm or a llama farm. <gasps> oh my and gosh. Feeding them just like we did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. That would be amazing oh my gosh I love alpacas I just feel like those interviews would be so amazing too (laughs) (laughs) mine of course would be about Halloween costumes so I don't know if it would take place like on Halloween interviewing the kids in costume or just talking about their past costumes I feel like in costume would be better but okay (laughs) Sarah what character from Arthur did you emulate this week DW on her birthday when she kind of panics and is like (laughs) These are the golden memories of my childhood. A book, a fire drill, 
and a fat lip. Yes, I celebrated my birthday this weekend. I kind of had a little bit of an existential moment about it. But As I was does. fine by the end of the day because That's the good. Arthurs in my life reminded me how great I am. Oh, <laughs> yay. Well, I uh, have gotten a few recipes. And so I feel like I'm channeling David Reed. Maybe not as adventurous in my cooking, but done a little baking, done a little cooking. Um, incredible. I hope in like the shape of Mount Rushmore or the Eiffel Tower or <laughs> that's next week. <laughs> Amazing. I could never. <laughs> this one was is a really tough question for me to answer. Um I feel like I probably go with binky just because when i was doing a lot of my prep work for this i just felt like binky was making me laugh the hardest and i just was like i relate to binky i feel like i'm emulating buster traveling the world even though i only traveled to boise (laughs) (laughs) i bought a few postcards today and i was thinking to myself postcards from buster (laughs) bus stop i feel like i've really been channeling sue ellen Mostly because I just informed my roommates how to tell the difference between a king snake and a coral snake. Yes! But but also because I was on the phone with HR about things with Paris. And she was like, I used to be in entertainment, Magic Kingdom. And we had people go over there and like, here's their experiences. And you should really like learn some French phrases. And I really was like, actually, I studied it in college. Like I've lived in Paris already. And I was like, why am I telling her this? Like, it's just some HR person. She's just giving me friendly advice. But I feel like Suan sometimes is like oversharing about her past life. and All the things she knows how to yes. do. Yeah. <laughs> and now back to Arthur. Awesome. Um, okay, we will go to number seven, which is another two-parter. This is Buster's wow. Back and Ballad of Buster Baxter. It is my oh, number no. four, okay. a- Annie's number five, Lauren's number eight, and Sarah's number ten. Buster returns after his, I think it was three-month trip with his dad, and the gang struggles to return to normalcy. So this is really kind of the first episode is... Arthur feeling insecure about their relationship and the second episode is really Buster feeling insecure coming back. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about some of my favorite quotes and stuff. First of all, it starts off with this imagination sequence of Buster traveling in space, but there is a Buster jump scare. I don't know if you guys saw it or were aware of it. When you go back to the space station, Arthur is talking to Buster. He is in space, but Buster is also in the space station and it is so freaky and I don't know why they did it. He's just like smiling at the camera. You're going to have to go back and watch it. It's at the very beginning. Buster is in the top right corner in the space station when he should be out in it like bothers me and scares me every single time so definitely go check that out biggest jump scare i love when arthur gets the call and he is so excited about buster coming home and he just runs literally all over town and yells buster's coming home and even like goes back and forth by brain's house and is like buster's coming home like just so excited that's one of my favorite parts for sure it's so cute i also love dw like inciting doubt into like is Buster even gonna want to see you and Arthur there's this quote and Arthur says is it because I'm not as exciting as Wisconsin so I, I will say some of the imagination sequences are very much a product of their time there are some like cultural insensitivity borderline that that do happen uh, some very fun montages of Buster and Arthur when he's like 
now I've seen it an even a hundred times. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. When it's like the split screen of what Buster was doing and what Arthur was doing. Yes. So good. My favorite is when it's like Buster is doing something incredible and Arthur's like watching a spider like fall. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I also love the studying meme where Arthur has like the round books around him and he like is going from one to the other just so relatable when you're cramming (laughs) one of the like most obscure random background jokes is when his parents are watching this like knitting competition and the like the dialogue is so funny what they're talking about but one of my favorite ones is if the garment is stained he loses big points they are so into this tv show it kills me oh did he prick himself with a knitting needle i see blood if the garment is stained. Yeah, that is so funny. And then, like, heartbroken Arthur when Buster doesn't show is, like, so, so sad. But I love when he, like, Buster's so excited to play checkers again. And it's just, like, this heartwarming reunion between the two of them. English one, the one that's the cowboy. I just think all of those are so funny. And one of my favorite lines from DW, are you organizing gum and all tissues, too? Yes, when he's, when like, he's throwing like, away. <laughs> yeah. This is the return of an icon. It's true. This episode is top tier, like, Art Garfunkel's career highlight, truly. Um, Do I know any other Art Garfunkel songs? Probably not. Yes, you do. It's Simon and Garfunkel. Like, name one. Like, uh, like a bridge over troubled water? Yeah. Okay. Um, Wait, what did Lauren say? The sound of silence. Hello, Odeftis. I guess like, I do know more Art, Gar- Art Garfunkel than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Robinson? And thanks to you, Mrs. Oh, Robinson. He sings that? I love all these songs you guys are saying. Yes, of course. Simon and Garfunkel, they're great. Now his status is even growing more that he would do this. <laughs> I know. That's why great. Right? So and that's why I'm saying career highlight, which is saying something. But so Buster is coming back and just kind of like where everything is changed from what he remembers and how he kind of butts into that. So they try and do three-way checkers because Brain and Arthur have been having this competition and it doesn't work. And they like have done their adventure story that they've been writing without Buster and Brain has made it very scientific and Buster's upset. And he's like, if there's no dinosaurs, like they can't crush people. And Brain's like, well, there's horses. They can crush flowers. <laughs> it's just like Buster trying to like reinsert himself and things have changed and like he's he's been left behind in a lot of ways and so it's like very heavy sad stuff but it's dealt with like in a very comedic way that like I don't know it it's a really good way of exploring this I thought it was interesting that yeah Arthur was so worried about change but it was really that things were so different for Buster it's fun to have this like montage of these episode throwbacks from like the yes. key for the sprinklers yes. and the square dance and the cookies. I love the whole Cresblane storyline is so funny to me. Cresblamania. I just love how Buster's like, this is so terrible. And Arthur is like ashamed, but love it. It's totally this guilty pleasure for him. It's so yes. funny. Not Carpet of Doom. Cresblamania, it's insania, gets stuck in my head all the time and it drives me crazy (laughs) the second ant-man movie is called like quantumania or something Mm -hmm. and every time i see it on disney plus i always think quantumania it's insania how could 
Arthur, not catch Quantumania. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> or Buster, Buster, not catch Quantumania. I love when he's trying to bond with Sue Ellen and they are just on like totally different planes. Like, so Ellen's like, yeah, people think you're weird if you say a French phrase, like, say la vie. And he's like, oh, I was only there for a week. And she was like, I was only there for a day. For a day. Like, <laughs> I also love when they cut to him in France and he's watching Bionic Buddy in French. And it's like, voici le lapin bionique. It's so good. I love it so much. <laughs> Buster feels misplaced. And then Arthur can sense that and he's getting worried. And they're talking about reasons why he doesn't connect anymore. And... Buster comes over to eat lunch and Binky's trying to trade away his sandwich and he goes, you wouldn't like it. No snails. Because <laughs> <laughs> they think he only eats escargot now. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Annie, you mentioned it at the top. Sad, sad bunny. One of the best songs. Like all these musical interludes. So good. Even when it's just Art Garfunkel going, this is the next day. That's all I have to say. Hey, I'm like, if he could just come narrate my life, do you know how much better my life would be? Oh, so good. I love at the beginning when he goes, eat and eat and grow. That's all he did. And then it goes to, he met Arthur. They became friends. It was a historic day. I love that one. So so good. Oh, it's so So good. good. They throw this party for Buster to like get to know, get to see his travel slides. But then he never shows up. And he's like alone, sad, watching TV, which is so relatable. But then I love they're like talking and being like, wait, who invited him? And Brain stops yes. the music and goes, Brain, Brain the facts. Brain the facts. Elementary deduction. I conclude that no one invited Buster to the party. I love that quote too, Rachel. <laughs> it's so funny. And then Binky's like, do you think that's why he's not here? <laughs> so good. <laughs> but- because Arthur's like, putting it out they're like no Buster's not better than us he doesn't think he's better than us and everyone's like throw him this party and it's sort of like deciding Buster's fate mm-hmm. and then and, and Arthur's like oh, I was wrong he's not here and then they realize they didn't invite him <laughs> obviously the ending line to all of Art Garfunkel's pure art is when you're close friends you can always get back together again which is like obviously very close to home for me for many reasons for my Florida friends and everybody in Utah that I love and all the changes that I am experiencing and will experience and it's not like even when you're close friends you everything's gonna stay the same Buster left and came back and a lot had changed but like the things that were the most important and their friendships survived all that change and that is just like so revolutionary and groundbreaking to depict that on a on a children's tv show and it's something that has like i feel like i didn't really relate to it as much then but like as an adult now i'm like clinging to those sentiments and that episode so it really means a lot to me for those reasons as well i just love the end when they're like who's the singing moose and they each are like i thought like he was like you brought him to buster and then buster's like no i thought he just like showed up and then they're like mom (laughs) There's, there's a singing moose outside but i also just love that that is like the first impulse is just like assumed that he is supposed to be here like not even yeah. questioning i always love an arthur when um they show people's different perspectives and um, it just would always open my eyes as a child to be like oh other people think differently than me or like they might see this situation differently so and i love that there's these two episodes back to back like you have these full 
experiences of like what Arthur's thinking and then what Buster's thinking, what everyone around, like just all the conclusions everyone's jumping to. And just, I just love seeing things play out multiple times in different minds. But my favorite thing about those episodes is how concerned Buster and Arthur are for each other, I guess, Hmm. and how it all ends up that they didn't need to be as concerned about like not fitting in or being outcooled by places around the world or people that Buster met on his travels. Their friendship withstood the test of travel. (laughs) Number six is Arthur's Almost Live Not Real Music Festival, which is the hardest title for me to remember. But this is Annie's number three and Sarah's number seven. A classic. This is, I feel like, the episodes that people always remember of Arthur, even if they haven't watched it in ages or thought about it in ages, they remember this one and Arthur's knee. I just feel like all that needs to be said about this is just go listen to the music. (laughs) And watching it is also amazing, but... I thought this was like a special bonus episode and it kind of is, but I didn't even know it was part of the season. Like from that title, I didn't know it was these songs. Having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card. Uh, Is that like a motto that we all have? Yes, we love the library. I sing that to Aubrey all the time. Jekyll and Hyde. And Rachel's doing the dance right now and I wish you all could see it so bad. The lyrics of that are magical top notch oh my gosh and then the dad doing desserts so funny my favorite song is probably having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card but the one that gets stuck in my head most often is i want some ice cream chocolate would be good (laughs) amazing ice cream that tastes just like it should (laughs) shouty singing voice yes the also the little homework song i just love when mr rapper's like okay when buster's like you can say that again and mr rapper's like class (laughs) you really worked hard today (laughs) so he sings it again and then like the special little library card wrap-up song I just feel like music transports you and is so powerful. This is an Arthur episode that does it so well. I love these songs. They have a special place in my heart. And a lot of them just use recycled clips from other episodes, but the Jekyll Jekyll Hyde is all like original and it is Chef's Kiss. So don't love that it's like a clip show in the other ones, but you're right. I had to do it for Library Card and Jekyll and Hyde. Because mm-hmm. I adore both of those songs. So good. All right. Our number five is What Scared Sue Ellen. This is Annie's, Annie's six and Lauren's number six and Sarah's number five. I just love the spooky Arthur episode. And the setting and the atmosphere is just really fun. Sue Ellen is like notoriously brave. Nothing scares her. And she gets scared after walking home, after being in the treehouse with binky and buster and arthur and they're reading scary stories she doesn't get scared she walks home and hears a noise and she does get scared and i just loved when she runs home and her parents she opens the door and she gets scared and it's because her parents are doing these paintings like i just love that her parents are both wearing berets and just like painting in the middle of the day it's so funny to me (laughs) 
she wonders about what this sound could have been. Comes up with Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga. Um, so good. Yes. And the Kappa and the Banshee. Oh my gosh. And the Baba Yaga is like Inception original. Probably where the people that made Inception got the idea. <laughs> oh. To do a dream within a dream. Annie, I'm dead. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Because she gets, she wakes up, and Bobby Yaga's in her window. Bobby yeah. Yaga is scary. Oh my I gosh, I loved learning about the different like creatures and monsters from other countries. I remember being so spooked by the Bobby Yaga Bobby in the Yaga. chicken house, and my most recent watch through of that episode. Uh, I realized that it's Grandma Thora who voices the Baba Yaga, and I was shook. I was like, like oh all our gosh. mouths have dropped my open. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so right. <laughs> oh my gosh, Grandma Thora, Grandma Thora, <laughs> Grandma Thora can't be Baba Yaga. <laughs> Just like Grandma Mrs. Thora is like the most wholesome, tender-hearted, and then yes. the Baba Yaga is then- so scary. Lunch. <laughs> um i forgot to bring this up during the tooth episode but isn't the tooth fairy essentially perky's owner with wings i forgot who what her name is yes mrs woods mrs woods and then they imagine different ways of defeating these like creatures that sue ellen's telling them about and i just love those when buster's like look in the river and the kappa like bows and all the water goes out of his head and he's like oh and then his dad comes and is like son you need to do better and then binky like well, how does he he just like shuts the door on the banshee, the banshee. <laughs> she's like hey that hurt okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's fun that perky makes a reappearance poor perky stuck in the woods for days for literal days perky. I also love Binky's, like, props when he was, like, getting ready to go. He acts out ghost stories that they're telling at the beginning and end of the episode. Uh, And he couldn't get a wolf mask, but he could find a Mary Moo Cow mask. (laughs) He couldn't find a big, sharp hook, so he said a big, sharp book. (laughs) Being respectful of other people's fears is an important message here, and facing your fears. I never really thought about this episode as like a face your fears episode even though that's literally the point of it i always thought of it as like like a storytelling episode kind of like draw where they all have a turn to tell a story except i guess sue ellen tells all the stories (laughs) and it's nice that uh sue ellen who is (laughs) so perfect and so fearless and we're all frightened by her excellence does actually have some fears and she learns to conquer them with her friends which is super super cool like I feel like usually like conquer your fears things it's like I have to face this by myself but they all go together yeah I'm kind of surprised that um this one's on my list because I did not like scary Arthur episodes but I put it on because it's when I remember watching it I remember the tree with the feet and just being horrified by it and Baba Yaga, I, that's the only thing I knew about Baba Yaga was from Arthur. And whenever yes. I would hear Baba Yaga, I would immediately think of it. 
And so I think they referenced Baba Yaga in like the second Ant-Man movie. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> like it was just because I was like, lore. yes, it was from Arthur. Um, and I think they called John Wick Baba Yaga. <laughs> it's just like so funny whenever it comes up. Cause I'm like, this is what Sue Ellen thought. <laughs> um, but I also really always appreciated how they made the scary things less scary. Like mm. we were, you were saying, like he closed the door in the BHG, the the Kappa lost all its water. Kind of like a ridiculous thing in Harry Potter, where mm-hmm. just these horrifying things are turned on their heads, and that's how you can deal with your fear. And it just kind of gave me a little bit of relief that, like, okay, there's these scary things, but we can deal with them and we can fix them, and they're not real. And it kind of, I don't know, I feel like it became kind of a coping mechanism for me that I would try and find a funny way that I could like make a scary thing into not scary or like how I could defeat it and make it so it's funny instead of scary so yeah and also it it is very much a you heard a noise and jump to the worst conclusion and it's actually like something very much grounded in the world and not scary and in need of help so I will be eternally upset that I forgot my master plan on Halloween was to call Rachel or get Rachel to call me somehow. And then when you answered or when whatever, whoever spoke first, and then I would say, I wasn't scared. I mean, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Binky says when uh, Sue Ellen calls to tell him that they're going back to the Deadwoods. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump to number four, which is another two-parter, Binky Rules slash meet Binky. So this is Annie's number two, my number three, Lauren's number five, and Biz's number six. The opening, the very first opening for this is one of my favorites with a different, it's like a spooky opening and Fern, it's like this classic. Like Mr. Rachel, Theater. Help here. I think it's yes. Mr. Yeah. And it's like the except the Arthur characters are inserted into it, but it's so spooky and it's such a different vibe. And then Buster comes in with his like noir detective stuff that mm-hmm. he, he always is into. But basically, what's happened is that the custodian, Mr. Morris, keeps finding this um, graffiti tag that says Binky Rules. They are listening to this song throughout the episode that they love, but they don't know the name of the band or the song. There's just funny things that keep happening before they can hear it. And Binky is trying to make the soccer team, but because of this graffiti, um, he might not be able to. And Binky keeps saying, I'm innocent. So he hires Fern or Buster to be the detective to solve the mystery. And so then it kind of turns into a, who is the better detective? And and it goes into sort of a boys against girls. But Binky just like wants his name cleared. So he hires them both. One of my favorite quotes, Nancy Drew gets criminals to confess by wearing attractive pastels. I think it's brain that says it that. Is. It's so funny. It's so great when Buster like ups his game and dresses up and starts talk- talking in that detective way. It's so funny. I do love some of Buster's phrases. Clutch the gummy. When he calls Muffy <laughs> gopher ball. And he also says that someone's going to take the pancake fall. And I just love the commitment to the bit. Like, I relate so much. And they, like, have to remove an article of his costume before he'll speak normally. Like, if that is not a Rachel move in character, like, I was like, yes, Buster, I feel you. 
But what they come up with is one says that it's Binky's evil. Buster says it's Binky's evil twin. And Fern says it's a rival soccer team trying to get Binky not to be able to join. I just love how seriously they take the evil twin possibility as well. Like even Mr. Morris is like, no evil twin today. Like it's so good. I love it. Rachel loved that voice also of Mr. (laughs) Morris. So accurate but then Fern and Buster put their differences aside and start working together and they realize that Binky is the name of this new group that has the song and just like think it's again just so great like the manager is like oh my marketing team got carried away (laughs) we'll give you free copies of the CD and they'll come clean up the graffiti so Pinky gets his name cleared and the band that they love is named Pinky. And Elizabeth did the quote so well. I'm going to ask her to sing the song again that is spotlighted. Because <laughs> this also is like lives in my mind. Like legendary. When I, yeah, this is legendary. This song. I think we should all sing it. Okay, yeah. let's do. It's sound <laughs> terrible, but we're going to go for it because we're all going to be right? able to sing. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, we, oh, we, oh, we, that's gonna be so fun to listen to yes why are you on mute oh we gotta do it again song like i love it it's so good it is like unironically so good and also the names of the songs that they say like goodbye vaster norlin or snowy snowy slushy slushy (laughs) right the band is from finland i don't know if i mentioned that so great so similarly like the second part of this two-parter was my favorite the just the catchiest song and it's so popular and I love how cr- they're like crazy buses out, right? Like um, crazy bus was sweeping the nation before. <laughs> yeah, Binky dancing, Binky merchandise, and Binky's like, "Oh, it's me!" So he like starts dancing, and then they're like, "No, the band!" And anyway, there's gonna be a Binky concert in Elwood City, and there's gonna be a special announcement at the Binky concert, and that's like this mystery kind of throughout the whole episode. What is this special announcement gonna be? So tickets go on sale and DW is buying shoes and that her indecision about shoes delays Arthur from getting a ticket. And I just feel like sometimes this is, again, so relatable where Arthur like drives to the rural farm to wait in line (laughs) and his seat is 739XX versus his friend who got 42. (laughs) So... They start fantasizing about what it would be like to meet Binky and they're trying to figure out how they could like pull that off and if their parents could somehow pull some strings to get them to Binky and Arthur imagines his mom doing their taxes and like scaring them back to Finland. (laughs) It's so funny. So and then they talk about like that Arthur could get chosen to dance and it takes him so long to get to the stage. It's been like three years. (laughs) And then 
is it Buster that meets him at the stage? And he's like, we saved all your homework assignments. I, that like troubled me so much as a child though. Like I really had to like rationalize in my mind to be like, no, because people who like clean the theater, like you'd have to walk all the way. Like I really (laughs) thought way too much about that whole imagination sequence. Right? It's just like this perfect, they just do an amazing job in Arthur of capturing feelings and experiences of being a kid and they stick with you watching it. And you do have to kind of like think about it like, oh, what would that be like? The fantasies of Arthur are one of my favorite things about the show. But then in a twist, he didn't think about his dad and his dad is catering the concert. And so he then really is going to get to meet Binky. And he starts having all these fantasies about what it would be like to hang out with Binky. And this is probably one of the most iconic lines Arthur, you saved our lives. You're like the brother we never had. Come loose with us. Yes. Yes. So good. And then his dad tells him, like, oh, not only do you get to meet Binky, but you can bring your friends. And that but then when Arthur pictures meeting Binky with his friends there, it suddenly isn't so great. He's like, Oh, here's a bunch of kids. That is like probably one of my favorite quotes. Here's a bunch of kids. Like uh, there these quotes those imagination sequences of them meeting binky outside of their limo probably maybe top five most quoted arthur quotes in my life the one where he just brings binky and he's like binky 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 binky, 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 binky. oh and the kid with and glasses, kid with glasses? Yes! So good! oh my gosh <laughs> and he lo- i love how arthur's like in the background like trying to wave at them it's so good So Arthur actually decides, I'm not going to bring my friends with me. I'm just going to go with my dad and help him and meet Binky on my own. And as he's there, he he takes off some of the catering wrap and throws it in this garbage looking bin. But then he looks out and he sees his friends and he starts feeling bad about not inviting them. And he realizes that things are more fun with them. And even meeting Binky would be more fun with them, too. Also loved that Mr. Rapper was at the concert. Oh my gosh, such a fan. Also, this is, he like sticks his head out, right? In the curtains. And yeah. He's like looking. And that also bothered me so much as a child. Like all these people are here so excited for the concert to start. No one's going to see like little Arthur's head poking out. It bothered me so much. So he invites his friends backstage. He goes and gets them and says, come meet Binky. And they go to meet Binky and something very strange happens. Surprise plot twist. Binky turns out to be projections, not real people. And they are having, they're glitching because Arthur threw the plastic wrap in the projection. And like canister. terrifying glitching too. Like so, so scary. Like, the torso is like body. spinning around. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> body horror. Oh my gosh. So this episode again just is one that stayed with me because of the song and then just the like funny fantasies and the you know the big twist at the end um and I feel like some of the messages are that real friends are actually better than fantasies I think that this episode is especially poignant now in like a social media age Mm. that it's like because that's kind of what Binky represents in some ways I think it's just this like celebrity fake non-real thing and in the end yeah facade great word thank you and in the end arthur ends up choosing his real friends and is much happier 
And maybe it's better not to know anything about celebrities. <laughs> Would this happen to me if I met Beyonce? Maybe. Oh, oh my know. gosh. <laughs> no, never. I remember feeling just so cheated when they found out Binky wasn't real people. I was like, what? They can't have a concert with fake people. I don't know if it's like based on somebody that, I don't know, doesn't have a real concert. Because people have real concerts. I remember being disgusted with Binky. Oh my gosh, betrayed. Um, I was disgusted, but I felt similarly where I was like, wait, they're fake? Like, <laughs> didn't like that either. I love the like random merch they have, like Binky Breadmaker. Hilarious. So funny. Also, the part where Arthur realizes that his dad is working backstage and he goes, I'm going to meet Binky. And there's like fireworks and stars. Like that was me when I met Rhett and Link. Just like utter bliss <laughs> and happiness. It is so funny. It's such a good sequence. But yeah. I am so glad to hear you guys' thoughts about this because I was like, this is such a great episode. I wonder why it's not higher for people. But I think you guys watched it when you were younger. And so of course you would be disappointed by Binky not being real. But I would watch, I was obviously older when I was watching these. And I thought that was like, so creative and so funny and that's I think a lot of like at the time there were like you know boy bands which were really like overproduced and so it just that like fit with like the times I think mm -hmm. so it wasn't as much of a shock to me that they were fake when I was younger I always was just like oh this is so that they don't have to make more episodes with Binky like that's legitimately oh. what I thought <laughs> I don't think that's true oh. but <laughs> So good. Also, Annie, you're saying it's not that high. It's been number three. It's pretty high up there. Anyway, um, oh, yours is number three. It was my. It was my number three. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I heard it was lower for Biz, and I was surprised. And lower for Lauren. Lauren number right? five. Biz number six. Okay, number five is good. Oh, number six. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I think I was one. like this. I think I thought this is gonna be in everyone's top three for sure. It is a classic. <laughs> number three is dad's dessert dilemma lauren this is your number two sarah's number three annie's number four and a very big honorable mention from me so this episode um they're learning about galileo yeah it's his birthday <laughs> yeah and it's galileo's birthday and so they're trying to turn it into a fun thing because mr atburn's just gonna make it a boring lecture about it so someone suggests can if it's a birthday can we have a birthday party and Mr. Ratburn's like, okay. And so then they're all saying things that they're going to bring. And um, Arthur says, my mom can bring chocolate chip cookies. So then he gets home and I think he asks his mom if she'll make them. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I've got so much work to do, but maybe your dad can do it. And then Arthur's like, oh, I don't really, I don't need to bring anything because his dad is kind of infamous in their family for coming up with these crazy concoctions and he's an experimental chef like he is always trying cool things and some of the like I remember some of the examples of crazy food that he would make as a child it's like oh that's disgusting but as an adult as I was watching it I was like oh like that would be kind of fun to try like I'd be interested but it's just funny how they played on like these horrible, disgusting things. Like, I don't know what, oh, I can't remember, like parsnips, something. I don't know. But Ugh. so he makes him a cake and it's amazing. It's like the Tower of Pisa, I think. But Arthur's so embarrassed and he brings it to class and hides it behind like a poster and like doesn't want anyone to see it. Um. Also, I was always 
so, so anxious about the Leaning Tower of Pisa cake. (laughs) I always, always expected it to fall over. (laughs) And that was going to be like the thing that Arthur had to contend with was like being embarrassed that the cake fell over or something like that. But the brains comment about the cake. It seems to be celebrating poor architecture. <laughs> That's like what Arthur imagines <laughs> the brain saying. That also was just super funny to me. And then Mr. Rapper, I think, finds it and he's so excited. And he's like, wow, this cake is amazing. And everyone loves the cake. And Arthur, they are congratulating Arthur on such a good cake. And Arthur realizes that his dad is like popular and he could use his dad's cooking to make everyone like him so then he starts making his dad or asking his dad to keep making these cakes these fabulous fancy cakes and this david reed is so excited that arthur is like into his cooking and asking him to help because he's always been afraid of him cooking and it's so adorable david reed is just working his butt off trying to help arthur and my, my favorite one of my favorite parts is it just shows David Reed sleeping on the couch and he's got his apron on he's just exhausted because he's just been cooking and cooking and cooking for Arthur and then Arthur realizes he walks in on his dad and Mr. Crosswire is standing there and he's like you said that you would have this order for my party ready by 3 p.m and David Reed's like I'm so sorry Mr. Crosswire will you just give me a couple more hours and I can get that done I've just been so busy I've gotten behind and it just reminded me of the godfather i don't know why mr cross crosswire is the godfather coming and demanding his favor and david reed is just twisting his hands pleading for more time so then arthur realizes that he's pushing his dad too far asking too much um and then says that he'll help his dad so then it becomes like a family effort dw helps too and i also loved when they were all working together pal like pulling something in the wagon even little pal gets in on the cooperation is so cute and then they he helps him cook all the things for mr crosswire's party but my favorite part of this episode and this is why i put this so high is because when i rewatched it i just die of laughter is mr rapper so uh, at the beginning arthur makes the first cake or they make the first cake for mr rapper's class and then he makes a cake for the neighboring class because she came in and tried it she's like that's so good can we have a cake too mr rapper just happens to show up and says oh look you're having cake and so he eats the cake and every time he eats the cake he goes mm. and i just love it and then the best part is they've cooked all this food for mr crosswire and suddenly mr rapper is there and he's oh are you having cake? <laughs> he is a cake fiend, and he will find cake if David Reed is making cake. It seriously is, like, one of the best running gags of an Arthur episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't get old. You think it would be not funny after a while, but, like, every single time it happens, I laugh harder. It's so funny. It's so funny. And the last one, I think, is because it's a surprise, and it's like, this rapper is at the <laughs> school always. Arthur's house. <laughs> so funny i'm just dropping off the spring rating list oh are you having cake (laughs) it's so funny Uh, but i agree with you lauren like mr rapburn following the scent of the cake is so (laughs) funny 
and just always showing up wherever there's cake. I love this episode so much for so many reasons, but Mr. Ratburn, this, in my opinion, is his best episode. <laughs> just finding every excuse to come and eat cake. <laughs> but also, like, um, the same excuse every time. <laughs> Yes, I guess. Yeah, that's right. It's not every excuse. It's just the spring reading list that he feels the need to bring to Arthur's house at the end. To uh, David Reed's barn where he cooks stuff. His barn. (laughs) I was going to say to Arthur's garage, but I like the barn where David Reed cooks so much better. I think it we just looks got like some, a barn, doesn't it? We just got some insight does, into yeah. little Lauren's mind watching Arthur as a young child. <laughs> this is what I reconciled it as. Oh, he has a barn. <laughs> Niall grew up watching Arthur, but didn't watch it like nearly as long as we did. He knows a lot of Arthur quotes because he's married to me. He is not the biggest fan of Arthur, so what we've had to do is trade episodes of Spongebob for episodes of Arthur, because I don't really like Spongebob, but it's a big part of Niall's childhood, and he doesn't really like Arthur, but it was a big part of my childhood. But Mr. Ratburn (laughs) coming in and saying, oh, are you having cake? And stealing cake from that small child in (laughs) the other class (laughs) just cracks Niall up. I feel like there aren't a lot of Arthur and his dad episodes. I don't think there are a lot of Arthur and his mom episodes either. But whenever they do have those, they're always so good. It's kind of cool, I think, that you get to see a parent in a kid's show who can't do everything. Like, he has a job, and he wants to be there for his kids, but it's a balance, and Arthur asking him to drop everything and potentially lose important clients like Mr. Mm -hmm. Crosswire is too much, and just, like, learning about respect and boundaries. I'm not sure that's something that I really internalized as a kid, but as an adult, I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Family dynamics. (laughs) Number two is Buster's Growing Grudge. This is my number one, business number one, and Lauren's number one. So they're doing a report, and Buster's report is supposed to be about King Tut. Buster wants to watch Bionic Bunny, so he doesn't do his report. But he does think of a really good joke, which is, what did King Tut say when he gets scared? I want my mummy. And so he's so proud because it's such a good joke and that's going to just land the report for him. And as he's going to school, he runs into Beaky and he's like, oh, I need to test out the joke. My favorite part that's the most iconic that I quote. He's like wants to tell a joke and he's like, I need to test it out first. Hey, Beaky, want to hear a joke? And Beaky says, yeah, I like to laugh as much as the next guy and the next person that passes. He's this little, like, mouse guy, and he's walking up the stairs to school, and he says, oh my, oh dear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the guy after the next guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's just so, oh my gosh. The most adorable, like, this is his only moment ever in Arthur, I think, but it's just, it's so funny. Just go back and watch it just so you can catch that little moment. (laughs) This is one of my favorite moments watching Arthur with you though 
because I feel like you hadn't you didn't remember that it happened and when it happened you like died laughing I feel like you had to rewind it (laughs) funniest throwaway moment that you don't you miss it if you're not paying attention it's just so funny (laughs) and so he tells Binky the joke and Binky dies of laughter he says that's hilarious Binky's doing his report first and then he tells the joke and everyone thinks it's so funny and it um, everyone laughs and he has and to tell then... a different joke when buster is giving the report and they all just turn into giant eyeballs and like mr Rafferty's <laughs> blinks <laughs> yes it reminds me of um math blaster the... history yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes because there are like eyeballs that blinked at it oh my gosh yes. same vibes <laughs> i love when when buster is, is imagining binky telling the joke again and Ratburn just loses it. <laughs> it's like bending over, like smacking falls out of his chair. Yeah, like crying. <laughs> You're just being like, "I was gonna fail you, but that joke, like, you deserve a higher grade." He's like wiping yeah. tears. <laughs> yeah, and you know how much I love a maniacal Ratburn. <laughs> I want that on a bumper other- sticker. Bumper <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. sticker. <laughs> So it doesn't land, and he gets a D on the report. No sure. matter how fancy you make a D, it's still a D. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is, like, the most beautifully scrawled D on the paper. Yes, it's so beautiful. <laughs> D. D for disaster. D for deadly. D for Binky stole my joke. <laughs> so then... The whole episode, Buster just has this grudge against Binky, and he's it's just festering in him, and everyone's kind of annoyed with him, because that's all he will talk about. They're in the movie theater, and Buster is just still, like, fuming, and he gets up in the middle and just yells, Who ends a Columbus report with a joke about King Tut? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, Binky does, now sit down. <laughs> I love the... they So they have a talent show, and... At the end, they go, and the winner is George! And he, like, sticks out. Yeah, they have a talent show, and Buster's comedy routine is just him complaining about how Binky stole his joke, and no one laughs. And then they're like, your jokes weren't even funny. And Buster goes, it was a comedy of truth. (laughs) All the greats do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then, of course, George wins with his pogo stick. (laughs) Also love. Arthur just keeps trying to reason with Buster and help him understand that, like, holding a grudge isn't hurting anybody but himself. And Buster's like, you're right, I have to go to the past to change it. And Arthur's like, you can't change the past, Buster. And he goes, oh, I can't, can't I? And then there's it cuts immediately to him outside Brain's house and Brain just holding this, like, test tube of some chemical. And he goes, you can't change the past, Buster. And he goes, oh, rats, like... Like, brain's word is law. <laughs> the brain knows. <laughs> My last one is just where it's, like, showing, where Arthur's like, what if he never lets go of this? And they show him, like, in college on the first day, and he's just talking about it. And then later they're, like, golfing, and Arthur's, like, about to hit his perfect shot for his perfect game. I <laughs> made this <best> shot. <laughs> It'll be the best game of my life. Yeah. And like Granny goes to swing it, Buster starts talking about the joke and he misses it. 
Pinky stole my joke. <laughs> He's so mad. And he never gets over it. <laughs> this close-up of Arthur's old grandpa eyes. Like, yes. Squinty, that image seared into my brain. <laughs> and then it shows Buster as the president. <laughs> They're like swearing him in and then he's like Pinky stole my joke <laughs> in Mr. Reference third grade class <laughs> and the press are like oh oh dear oh <laughs> yeah he's still just harping on about how his without that joke his report was nothing and Arthur says you barely did any research at all your whole report was about eggnog and Buster goes that wasn't my fault it was right next to Egypt in the encyclopedia <laughs> and that is totally a line that like i did not find funny until i was much older like it's seriously oh it's so golden because that is also one of my favorite parts at the end when arthur's like trying to when it first happens buster is like venting to his friends and they totally validate his feelings they're like binky was wrong to do that like that's so hard and then they like move on but buster can't move on and so Arthur is like making this point of, hey, I didn't get this kind of cake for this birthday. And I'm going to and Buster's like, oh, that's really hard. And Arthur's like, I'm, I'm going to stay mad until I get it. And Buster's like, well, that's not going to get you what you want. And Arthur's like, but it's going to get you what you want. And then they like talk about it more. And Buster comes to this like realization of like, oh, I got the grade because I didn't actually put in this work. So but then eventually he confronts binky about it and says binky like you stole my joke that was my report and i'm just really mad about that and binky's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry like i didn't even realize i just thought it was a funny joke and then he's like here's 73 cents a sticker of a cool car and a button (laughs) (laughs) and then he roller skates away and buster's like oh buster is thrilled that he that binky just paid him for that joke and he was like i'm a professional He's been paid for a joke. He's been paid. <laughs> it's so relatable when someone steals, like, your main personality trait. Like, oh, it's so good. I do love some of these lessons about holding grudges. It's interesting because, like, Buster is so mad and he's talking to everybody but the person who wronged him. And so he's just, like, like letting this anger fester without actually doing anything to talk. I also love when he's, like goes to talk to Binky and Binky like stands up and he's like, have you ever noticed how large Binky is? <laughs> But then I also was like, the question came, like, how is anger serving you? Because I think, like, a lot of times we can really put anger down as, like, a very negative emotion and stuff. But, like, when you feel angry, like, all emotions are telling us something. So, like, just feeling anger is not a bad thing. But, like, feeding that anger and, like, letting it, as I said, like, fester and, and grow and be your main focus. I don't think that anger is serving you or helping you much. But then also ownership of actions. Like, when Buster does confront Binky about it like Binky acknowledges but Buster is also like yeah I didn't really do much for my report either and like I've been blaming Binky stealing my joke on like my own failure and my own shortcomings as well so I think sometimes like anger and feelings can be about that as well of like what are you not telling yourself all right and our number one episode which is Arthur rides the bandwagon (laughs) so this is Sarah's number one my number two Biz's number three and Lauren's number four there's a new toy and it's called a woogle and it's like a little pear-shaped squishy guy and there are all kinds of uh like colors and personalities and they they all have a name and they like when you squeeze them they make a sound or say something 
<laughs> I love like the explanation at the beginning when it's like, and they shimmy and shake. You can stretch like a snake. Right? And everybody is obsessed with Woogles except Arthur. Arthur does not get it. He feels pressured to like Woogles because other kids are saying like, you can't play with us if you don't have a Woogle or if you don't like Woogles, you can't play with us. And Arthur just thinks they're dweeby. <laughs> I love how Mr. Ratburn has one. Oh, <laughs> the like, best. Literally. Yes. And it looked like him. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. When Binky is like, you couldn't pay me to have one of those dopey things. And then I think Muffy comes over and brings him one and he squeezes it and it burps and he goes, ah, it burps. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah. That is the woogle I want. Give me the burping <laughs> woogle. <laughs> you need. I just love each individual person's woogle. Like, Brain is like, yeah, it's a fad. Would you like me to explain it? Or would you like Tiny Iny to explain it? <laughs> Fun equals you times me squared. I don't know. I also noticed Bilbo, but I don't know why I thought it was hilarious that one of the woogles is named Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the most random name for <laughs> I also love the Arthur's imagination. They're taking a, a school photo. Oh, that's right. And the, the photographer is like, hold on. Why doesn't this kid have a woogle? And he's like, there. Yeah. He gives him broccoli. And then it flashes into the future where he's like telling his family and he's like, or his children, he's like, and from that day on. Everybody called me Broccoli, broccoli Head. head. <laughs> and his child is like British. He's like, Father, don't you have a Google you can give me? <laughs> and Arthur's like, I'm so sorry. I never got one. And the child's like, I don't remember if he like packs up and leaves. <laughs> I love tiny, like baby, baby son, Arthur crying with baby Kate's cry and with his little Arthur glasses dragging yes. a suitcase with his teeth to get out of the house <laughs> where he will not inherit a woogle. <laughs> Maybe some happy family with full of woogles will adopt me or something like that. <laughs> so he finally decides, okay, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a woogle so I can play with my friends. And he ends up getting a poogle on accident which is just an off-brand woogle and it doesn't uh stretch it doesn't shimmy or shake it doesn't say something cute when he squeezes it and it just looks like a bored potato with like string arms and legs he's Might like we friend. play with you <laughs> yeah well, and he's, like, convinced it's a woogle because there's a sign. They, like, taped a W over the P. Yes. And then when he leaves, it, the sign falls. And Buster walks by and is like, ew, a poogle. So then he's trying to convince Francine, Arthur is. And then after he, they go through the list, then Buster walks by and he's like, oh, Arthur, you bought one of those poogles? <laughs> like, calls him out. <laughs> then when Arthur goes and he's like there's no Woogles anywhere can I just buy one from you Muffy and she like has the collector's guide and like figures out the correct calculations for how expensive they'll all be <laughs> <laughs> that's right she has so many <laughs> so many <laughs> oh because Francine comes and is like I have an extra Archie and you can have him but you have to say I've always loved Woogles and like Arthur can't bring himself to do it <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Like, it is interesting because I feel like Arthur's battling with himself the whole time, like having this internal battle of like, he wants I want to fit in. He like doesn't think they're that great either. Yeah. And then when it comes down to it, Arthur realizes that he still doesn't like Woogles. He's not happy that people are treating him differently because he doesn't have a Woogle or doesn't like Woogles. But he's like, you know what? This is dumb. I don't like them. Buster is walking down the street and Arthur starts talking to him and Buster says to his Woogle, okay, Bilbo, I'm going to talk to Arthur now. (laughs) Bilbo says hi. (laughs) I think Arthur tries to come at the angle like, you're addicted to the Woogle. Like, it's so, it's not safe. It's not healthy. And Buster's like, I could put this, I could get rid of this Woogle whenever I wanted. And I was like, this is a Woogle addiction. <laughs> Tosses it in the trash and they all start, they both start walking away. And then like, it's kind of like a good, the bad and the ugly, like face off. Like, yeah. <laughs> who's going to go for it yeah. first? And it's the, like, the, what is it? The, like, the suspenseful music thing. The Woogle is like the stretchiest thing in the whole world because they're pulling so hard and the Woogle becomes like a rope. My favorite bit of animation in Arthur is in this episode. As soon as Buster says that Arthur can just hold the Woogle for a few seconds, he hands it to him and then Arthur, like, he makes this, like, super, super happy face and he's, like, literally gliding as he's holding the Woogle. (laughs) And it's just, like, there's no extra, like, music. It's not like, oh, it's... (laughs) And, like, when he holds it, that, like, slow motion, like, ah, yes. he's, like, <laughs> like, everything's amazing. And then Buster grabs it back so quickly. He's like, three, two, one, mine back. Uh, he talks to Grandma Thora about how everybody has a Woogle and kids are treating him different because he doesn't have one. And she says, like, oh, it's just a fad. Fads come and go. And she talks to Arthur about pet rocks, which were all the rage when uh, Arthur's dad was young. And she's like, wait, I still have it. So she gives Arthur a pet rock. Rocky. (laughs) And he's like holding it and he doesn't want anybody to see. And Francine's like, what do you have in the cage, Arthur? Has your woogle been bad? And he's just been trying to hide it this whole time. And then he like finally admits like, it's a pet rock. And then Binky walks by and goes, hi, Arthur cool rock <laughs> the ending does bug me a little bit with the cap and just like the playing with cap. it yeah right the every bo- time i have a bottle cap i'm always like it is just showing how like trendy things are and fads just come and go like that the reason i don't like it is because then grandma thora gets him a woogle and he just sets it down and he's like he's just like oh it's bottle caps now thanks but yeah yeah <laughs> yes agree like, who knows what lengths grandma thor went to to get right that because those woogles were gone <laughs> arthur you you rotten rude ungrateful <laughs> because no Accept the present from your grandma say, thank you who knows how much money she spent to get that off of ebay <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i always felt bad i remember feeling sad when arthur spurns grandma mm-hmm. thor's gift when i was a kid i was like that's not how you act when your grandma gets you something that you've been wanting. Like you was the intention to be like, ah, Arthur recognizes the wisdom of fads and acknowledges that Grandma Thora like helped him learn this lesson. 
you know? Because it is, like, so blatantly ungrateful. Rude. Yeah. It did strike me as being extra rude this time I watched it. But as a kid, I do remember kind of feeling like, I don't feel like he should have said that. <laughs> but also, that Google is kind of ugly. <laughs> With the ears. It had, like, big ears and a heart tongue. And I did not like it. <laughs> Too scary. Too scary. Why do, like, toys and, like, things close on Arthur? Anyone in Arthur just looks so appealing to me. I especially want a Woogle so badly. I would pay for a Woogle today. I don't care what the dollar amount is. Give me a Woogle. <laughs> I think the real hero of this episode is actually Buster. Because Arthur makes fun of Buster for liking Woogles. And he's like, I don't know why I like him. I just like him. And isn't phased by Arthur being mean about him liking Woogles and the time that I watched this episode with Niall and I was like good for Buster (laughs) stand up for yourself yourself. he just likes what he likes (laughs) I feel like when I was young I was like oh they're totally making a statement about Beanie Babies because Beanie Babies were like what I thought were like so trendy at the time so I was like they're totally making fun of Beanie Babies This just occurred to me. I thought it was Furbies. Or Furbies. I mean, I think it's any fad toy, right? I remember thinking that a lot of the Woogles were really, like, scary looking or Mm -hmm. ugly. And there were just, like, a handful that were cute. This was just a super fun rewatch. I forgot how many gems are in season three. Too many. Like... (laughs) can't believe we thought we could do season three and season four when i looked at this list of episodes i was like i don't even think i could narrow it down to 10 in season three so seriously and just call, shout out to my burn dvds coming in clutch i'm so proud what a what a <laughs> high risk high reward gamble you you did there for the arthur dvds oh thanks rach thanks lauren thanks thanks sarah thanks Sammy. <laughs> thanks for coming everyone you took the words right out of my mouth, PJ. I'm a carrot. An orange carrot. And it's it's ends up being such a I mean, I know I'm I feel like I'm being real like over the top sentimental today about Arthur, but like I'm like, oh everything's so sweet. And it is, but... <laughs> it's okay. Usually when I I'm talking about episode. it, as you will hear later when the fully published, I just keep going. And it's so funny. Like, it doesn't have to be that funny. It's so funny. Like, that is basically <laughs> every other sentence when I was just recording with this earlier. <laughs> I just keep saying, it's so sweet. <laughs> uh, but it is. It's so sweet. But he wants to watch Bugs Bunny? So he doesn't do his report? Uh, Bionic Bunny. Bunny. (laughs) Bionic Bunny. (laughs) She watched Roger Rabbit earlier. (laughs) I've got bugs on the brain. (laughs) It's an unstable connection, so we only got some of that. It was kind of a a la flounder in Little Mermaid where... (laughs) It was like, and then it was like, what? And then we were like, whoa! Oh, no. <laughs> Hello, DW. <laughs> it's such a good episode, yes. <laughs>
And now a word from me, Firefighter Scott. 